I, I like Blink-182 and everything, but Tonic. Tonic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. This episode of Simcast is brought to you by NatureBox. Get three free snacks with your first order. Just visit naturebox.com slash Simcast and use code SINS. All right, everybody, welcome to the Simcast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Hello. And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Hi, everyone. And we have finally reached a point where we're not talking about the best of the years we've been alive <laughs> or putting them in some sort of bracket that pisses everybody off or anything like that we are going back to just talking down home movies that's right and we know it's near a lot of you fuckers are graduating <laughs> <laughs> or wishing you were yeah as barrett as barrett put it in the email so eloquently <laughs> a lot of you fuckers are graduating out there so we figured we could talk a little bit about school days type of movies that's right you know? not the brendan fraser one no, or the um, uh, school Spike, ties. Uh, yeah, the, <laughs> you know, the Spike Lee school, school days. days. Um, That's one that featured the butt. <laughs> yes, yes, it did. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about some school movies. This is our last party as high school people. I've glimpsed our future, and all I can say is, go back. We did it! You just gotta keep living, man. High school, college, doesn't really matter. We don't care. We, we don't, don't give a fuck. Up. We're just gonna talk about some school movies. So mm-hmm. who wants to kick us off? I will start. All right. Because every time I drive by this one school on my way down here, I would say which one it is, but I won't. <laughs> my wife and I play this game every time we pass this school where we go, ha ha, you're in school. <laughs> 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 because when you're in school, it feels interminable. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's never going to end, right? I remember wanting so bad to just get through these damn 12 grades and get out in the world where I could make my own decisions. Uh, and so for those of you that are graduating high school or college, it's a celebratory time. Mm-hmm. You are about to enter into the world of paying your gas bill and your mortgage. Yeah. And <laughs> remembering that you have to set aside money for toiletries and hairspray <laughs> and laundry detergent. It's a tough time, but... For now, it's a fun celebratory time. I think the first one that comes to mind is obviously Say Anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about this movie a lot, but it opens with the graduation. Uh, and then and then a party that night. Maybe it's the next night. Um, <laughs> it's, it's right around there. But, you know, we open with the valedictorian is one of our main characters. She's got jokes in her script that nobody laughs at except her dad. Mm-hmm. because She's too smart for her own good. Uh, and then we get to see this snapshot of a uh, blossoming romance right in this glory period between school and having to become an adult. Um, so that one sticks with me. That jumped out at me the most uh, when I read this question was that that's the first one I think of when I think of graduation movies. What did you do after graduation, after high school? Um, like, did you have a big party to to send you off and all that stuff? Yes. It was. Well, I don't know if they still do this today, but. At least in Indiana, when I was graduating, everybody had a graduation party and you invited as many people as possible because people would give you money. Oh, and yeah. so it was this big like I remember thinking even more than any birthday, Christmas, anything else, I was going to get a haul. Mm-hmm. Like I knew this kid that got like six thousand dollars at his graduation party. And wow. I got like 
I got a couple hundred. Because, mm. you know, my family didn't know a lot of wealthy people. Nice. Or maybe we just knew stingy people who yeah. were wealthy. Um, and so, yeah, we had this weird party where I had to dress nice and there was cake and snacks and everyone was like overly nice to me. Like I had done something. Like I was the first guy ever to make it through high school. So you didn't have a boozy like class party. No, kind of at this point when I was growing up, that would have been that would have landed me right in dad jail. Um, <laughs> I was not boozing at this point in life. Um, is that a thing people did? Like, oh yeah, you graduate yeah, yeah. high school and you go out and drink a bunch of beers with your friends. Oh yeah, I mean that's can't har- that's can't hardly wait, which I was thinking about, mm-hmm. and that say anything. I mean that was. You know that the the kegs that show up and John Cusack is the enforcer essentially, and the guy comes up and he's like, "I gotta, I have hidden your keys. You must chill." <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of amazing how the the kegger is, is such an important part of a lot of these high school movies. Mm-hmm. Dazed and confused, uh, like a lot of that movie's plot revolves around the fact that the guy delivering the keg to the house comes too early. Yeah. While the parents are still there, <laughs> and, and and they have to like completely change their plans to have this, you know, this you know party at the moon tower yeah. and everything like that. Um, it is it is kind of an amazing thing. Like that is such an a that's such a woven into the fabric of all these high school. It movies. is. It really is, and it's not. And it, I went to one party in high school where there was alcohol. No, oh, yeah, and. I was a preacher's kid. This is just not part of my upbringing. I Mm -hmm. went to more Bible studies than I did keggers. I'm sorry. Uh, But it seems to be a universal thing. Did you guys have those kind of parties? I I did not. I had friends who later would tell me about these parties. (laughs) (laughs) Bastards. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you got to consider I'm I was not unlike you back in back in those sure, days. Sure. Uh, I did not try to find parties with alcohol in them. I had a few friends who were smoking weed at the time. Um, but never that I mean, people sort of respected that kind of thing. Well, you're not an alcohol person. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to invite you to this party with a bunch of alcohol in it and everything. Yeah. And um that was Cuz people can't handle their shit. That's at true. That age. Let me tell you as okay, as the preacher's kid, I, that one party I went to, uh-huh. it was basically two hours of people going, hey, you're here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Because I, I had the kind of existence where when people would swear accidentally in front of me, they would apologize to me. Oh. Because I was apparently so close to Jesus that I was like a gateway for forgiveness or something. It's like, oh, I didn't mean to swear in front of you. I forgot you were a Christian. <laughs> so the very fact that I was at this party was blowing people's minds. And I'm drinking a bottle of water. And I just, I, fe- I felt cool. I felt mm. cool for the first time ever. Um, maybe not the first time ever. I felt cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the cool, But they made such a big deal out of the fact that I was there. It kind of killed the experience. Yeah, I could see I that. wasn't able to be one of the partying kids. I was like the sideshow. Yeah. Hey, our party's so cool. Even Jesus's little brother came. <laughs> We're haunting it. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's obviously something that, happens quite a bit yeah yeah. um uh, but it's uh it's you know movies put that in there and almost everything and it's pretty i don't know i guess i guess that is reflective of of most Mm -hmm. after high after high school or after school's over and everything days and confused uh isn't really all it's it's not seniors the seniors that are graduating are not in this movie yeah i guess that's not, what's right? a really yeah, interesting yeah. thing about days and confused is the seniors are actually the juniors that are have gone up one level by mm-hmm. the end of this 
but yeah, their whole thing is like we want to we want to drink and kick some ass because yeah. we all the incoming freshmen we're gonna wear them out <laughs> with paddles and uh, you know we're gonna we got to find a party where we can just get super drunk and everything and I mean that movie is full of boozing man it's yeah sincere boozing well and I know we threw out. Uh, I'm I getting the feeling we're going to dance around all these movies instead of staying on one for any, any length of time. But Superbad is all about that. Oh, Superbad is all about getting the alcohol, mm-hmm. getting to the party, so the girl I like will like me because I brought the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And now with like with Jonah Hill's character, I think he just wants to get drunk and have the girl Emma Stone get drunk, and that will magically make them love yes. each other. Yeah. But with with Michael Cera's character, he's hit, the girl that he likes has specifically asked for this one kind of mm-hmm. alcohol. Which of course shatters on the bus and <laughs> doesn't have it anymore. And of course, she's completely wasted <laughs> by the time. So shit faced. Yeah, she's like well beyond wasted. Uh, by the time he even shows up, now granted he goes through this whole thing before he gets to the party or whatever. But they even hit a second party. Yeah. Before they get to this one, yeah. where there's all that booze flend and he steals all the alcohol by putting it in the laundry <laughs> detergent yeah, thing. Yeah. But, and I really wish the movie would have shown us a scene of him thoroughly cleaning out the inside of that laundry detergent. He, I don't think he, he did because, because he says when they green beer it, later. Yeah, they oh, pour it. It's like all the. Yeah. It's not beer suds. It's that's like nasty. Oh, it makes me sick every time. Oh god. Yeah. I think that contributes to to him vomiting on Emma Stone later on. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You've got to think there's those blue detergent and then they put the yellow beer in there yeah. and he's like it's, what is that it's green beer yeah. like it really isn't i think super bad nailed every part of if you are going to go big like that with the high school graduation party movie they nailed everything from like the anxiety because you've got all those scenes like on campus that established the re- relationships before you yeah. know where he like accidentally punches her boobs That's and like so yeah, funny. Yeah, all the yeah. awkwardness with emma stone and then like oh, oh you can do this and then mclevin getting the fake id and then that whole other story with seth rogan and uh, yeah. Yeah. and bill Hader, who are fucking great man yeah and like the party is the least essential part of it mm-hmm. it really but is. it's still awesome well it's kind of yeah you know, super bad is a lot like did you ever see trojan war when it came yes in it? yeah they, uh, not Jennifer Conley. It um, was Jennifer Love Hewitt. Jennifer Love Hewitt. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Will Friedel, uh-huh. who I think dated Jennifer Love Hewitt in real life. The whole thing is about him trying to find condoms. condoms yeah. And uh, and I, when I saw Superbad, I was like, this is kind of going along that model because it's you're you're trying to hit this goal. And of course, the you know the journey of that is more important than what the goal is. And you mm-hmm. learn a lot by the end of it that you know this goal that you had wasn't as high on a pedestal as you thought it was but it is really funny these people getting into these like just whacked out adventures yeah. just be- looking for one simple thing yeah. you know i mean when he ends up you mentioned that party that they end up at to get to the party yeah where where the guy was like oh no i got all the booze you can get and then they're in there doing cocaine and fucking michael said they're like hey man you gotta sing for us yeah get the voice of an ace it's what's a dave franco oh yeah everybody's in that scene actually um what's I his name remember. from numbers uh oh david crumholtz david uh crumholtz is in that scene yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a weird scene though. That's actually one of the scenes that feels off to me about that movie. It's, it's such a, why would Michael Sarah's character know that song? so well? <laughs> That's oh. a, that's a very Seth Rogen, Evan, uh, Goldberg, Evan Goldberg type of, uh, moment. I think. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. But that character shouldn't have any knowledge of that song, <laughs> let alone all of it. Uh, anyway, uh, 
And of course, they're coked out, so they think it's the best performance ever, <laughs> and it doesn't really matter what he does. You know, another another big aspect of these movies is uh, is is that sort of uncertainty that you have after you graduate high school. Mm-hmm. There's a there's sort of well, and I, I guess in the graduate, it's college that mm-hmm. uh, you know you have Dustin Hoffman graduating college, and I think even I think college is even more confusing. Right? I agree. Uh, when you graduate high school, there's sort of a clear. I mean, you can either go to college right away or you can, you know, hang out for a year and then Mm -hmm. go to college or you can just go right into the workforce, whatever college. When when you get done with college, you have this sort of need to do something with your degree. I mean, maybe that's not everybody. Some people probably graduate college and they're just like, you know. Well, you have to do something. That's the thing. (laughs) I, I felt like after graduating college that I needed to do something with my degree. And mine was in mass communications with a. Uh, emphasis on uh, television and radio and i could not get a job doing any of that stuff around where i was um so i was just sort of stuck in this whole like well i guess i'm just gonna keep working at the movie theater until i run into something better and then it was like another 15 years um (laughs) ended up working out yeah it did um but uh but like the graduate you know that care you know dustin hoffman he is he's such in that zone where he doesn't know what he wants to do he's got a bunch of people coming around telling him what he feels like he need, what he needs to do and everything. There's the one guy who's like plastics, yeah. get into plastics. Yeah. But his, his real thing is, is, you know, I just, I, I don't know if he doesn't, maybe he hasn't felt like he's experienced life enough. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and a lot of it is him like being out in the pool and all this mm-hmm. other stuff. And, uh, an older experienced woman shows interest in him yep. and everything. And he's like, I'm young. I'm going to just go ahead and, you know, do this yeah. or whatever. So, uh, I love that aspect. Days and Confused also has a lot of that mm-hmm. in it. Arrested Development, almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, Days and Confused. I, I think it's really interesting. We, uh, you know, the Matthew McConaughey character is a little bit deeper than you think, it, especially as it relates to the other characters mm-hmm. in the movie. Fun uh, to quote Matthew McConaughey's lines in Days and Confused, obviously. But what is the big thing that? randall pink floyd has to go through in that movie is that he's got a letter to sign to say that i'm not going to do any drugs over the summer i'm going to dedicate my life to football this is texas high school we can win a championship this year but look at the character of matthew mcconaughey who was obvious there's a really innocuous line thrown in when they get caught on the football field where he's like uh, where the cops come mm-hmm. and uh and he's like and matthew mcconaughey is yelling at you know talking to the cops he's like what you you mad that i got sit all state and you didn't yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. he was a star football yeah, yeah, player yeah. and now what he's is he doing with them as they're as they're making their escape right? yeah, yeah yeah he's like he's a, he was a star football player now what is he doing uh-huh. he's working for the city yeah. he's hanging around with high school kids yeah. he's not his life is not epic but he's comfy with it right he's very comfy with it yeah but that's the reason why jason london's character randall pink floyd Uh is like sitting there going why should i go through all this trouble to to uh uh, impress all these adults that are around that want me to i i should just be here having fun with my life mm-hmm. right now i'm only 17 years old mm-hmm. you know and uh, it's a it's a i love that part of days and confused because it's easy to just kind of look at the mcconaughey character and say oh yeah he's really funny ha 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 high school girls man and uh 
you know, he it's really more of about what he could be Randall Pink Floyd could become mm-hmm. later on. A lot of these football players and a lot of the other ones have, have sort of bought into it. You know, they're like, like, you know, sign that thing, man. Nobody quit senior year and all yeah. this other type of stuff. And he's like, yeah, why should I <laughs> try to do anything to impress you guys? It does have the grossest greeting ever too. Where they, they like shake hands and then smell each other's fingers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you even see it on uh, you see it on the one guy's face where he's like, oh. <laughs> well, you're right, because we've identified two themes already of these graduation movies, and that's the kegger and the uh, the arrested development. Because even in Say Anything, there's that whole yeah. scene we've quoted before about like, well, what are you going to do with your life now? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I just want to hang with your daughter. Yeah. I haven't really figured it all out. Uh, and, and that's everywhere. And then even in Superbad, you've got that going to college, you know, angst stuff yeah. because Jonah Hill hasn't gotten into the same college and Michael Sarah's going to room with McLovin, but he doesn't know this yet. And I remember when you graduate high school, I, I do think college is bigger. Uh, the feeling of what the fuck do I do now is mm-hmm. bigger. But when you graduate high school, what's different from college is that you don't know where all these people are going. We're all we've all been together for you know, most people for four years or more, maybe mm-hmm. through middle school. And now we're all going in separate directions. Some of them, I remember, you know, one of my friends was going to go to Indiana University. One of them was going to go to Purdue, which is a big rival of Indiana. Mm-hmm. I was going to go off to some tiny little Christian college nobody had ever heard of. And they <laughs> thought they'd never see me again. And they, well, they didn't. Um, <clears throat> and so there's that sort of, I think that's part of why these parties happen, um, is that it's sort of that last hurrah, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and you have it, it kind of dawns on you halfway through. This happened to me at the end of college too, because I had just kind of like a big bash and just said like goodbye to my friends up there in Louisville. And you're right; there's such a big difference between college and high school because you're you're essentially done unless you go on to postgraduate stuff. You're essentially done, and you're you're out there. Yep. And my favorite example of this, the ennui and like the uncertainty of it. Did you guys see Kicking and Screaming, the Noah Baumbach mm-hmm. version? Yeah. Man, that is a tremendously underseen movie. It's one of the funniest movies I've ever it's seen. Hysterical. Yes, it is. You've got it's it's essentially the summer after they graduate, and they're in this northeast town, and they just go back to all the college parties. Like they're <laughs> like, okay, well, this is it. You know, we're off and everything. Mm-hmm. You got Eric Stoltz's character that's been there for like thirteen years. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you, it, they have no idea what to do. One goes off to Prague, and the rest of them are just stuck in their own thing. And uh, Chris Eigman's got a great line in there where he's like, yeah, I, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. What used to I could just pass off as a bad summer could potentially be a bad life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that yeah. movie is great, by the way. We That's one we probably I mean, we've been doing this over a year now and, and we're probably going to because we're finally compressing back into this, you know, we're decompressing back into mm-hmm. this this whole like uh, format where we're not talking about best of all time yeah, type yeah. of stuff. Um, but I, I think we're going to slowly run into some movies that we haven't really represented as much. You know, there's some movies that we've talked about ad nauseum and yeah. everything, but kicking and screaming yeah. just to, okay. You all must watch this movie. Yes. Not, <laughs> yes. not the Will Ferrell movie. No, no, no. Don't, no. don't look at the Will Ferrell movie. Look at the, find the Noah Baumbach. It's very hard, but like Great. the, uh, here's a sample line. Hey, is that a dictionary? I'm going to go look up blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, they drop these things. It's it's I think four or five guys that are kind of in a group. They've got one girl that hangs around every once in a while. 
and they just drop these bon mots. They've got they've got their own lexicon, and even one of the characters, Parker Posey, is like, "You guys all talk the same," mm-hmm. and they do. Like they've got like a, a game show thing that they feature every once in a while. Like yeah, and uh, you know somebody will show up and be like, "Is that a pajama shirt?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, are yeah, you wearing yeah. eyeliner? You know, uh, it's it's really really good stuff. It's one of the funnier movies I've ever seen. Yeah. So there's a okay. So here's a couple movies that probably don't have a, a a great overarching theme, but I do think they have interesting sort of topics to discuss. Now, Back to School, I don't think is a great movie by any means. You know what? I'm I'm going to interrupt you real quick. When we talked about that year. I was really high on Back to School. Oh, yeah? I think I was the only one that was high on Back to School. And you were like, no, man, no. Well, I had just <laughs> recently seen it at that point. Well, that makes sense because I just recently saw it and that fucker sucks. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's terrible, isn't it? Like, And I kind of like Rodney Dangerfield, well, but that is thing. way Rodney Dangerfield, like that, it, it's got a lot of Dangerfield-isms yeah. in it and everything. And those are pretty funny and everything. And uh, my favorite scene in back to school is still sam kennison just yelling yeah. at him yeah. and you know say it say it <laughs> and uh all that it's a it's an awful awful movie though <laughs> is, um yeah i mean it, it's it's basically you know rodney dangerfield his son's going to college yep. and he he uh in and i can't remember why what is the impetus by which he has to go back to school he's just trying to be around his son or he something. does and i think he's he has to it's like a uh, billy madison type of thing like he has to complete his degree well, that was what I was like about that. to get yeah. to. Billy Madison is another one yeah. <laughs> that uh, it's got this really unusual. I mean, it's a comedy and it's an Adam Sandler comedy. It was one of the it was the first big Adam Sandler comedy was Billy Madison. That was but before it, Happy Gilmore. Yeah. yeah Happy no. Gilmore came out the next year. Uh, but uh, Billy Madison, you know, is basically you know, he doesn't really want his dad's company. He just doesn't want Bradley Whitford to run it. Mm-hmm. Right. So like. Uh, he his, the whole bet is that he can complete kindergarten through twelfth, or maybe it's first grade through twelfth grade. I don't remember if he goes to kindergarten or not. Um, uh, and uh, get his degree to be able to run the company by the end, which is an absurd. It's absurd premise, obviously. You know, like yes. you can run this big company <laughs> just because you went through one week of you know one class, like whatever. But um. But yeah, it's an interesting thing, though, just to see. You're talking about Arrested Development. You're talking yeah. about some <laughs> yeah. serious Arrested Development in both of those. In both of those cases, you know, or it's just it's uh, it's adults getting uh, getting adult education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What do we think of American Pie? Uh, Great for its time. Yes, mm-hmm. it has not aged well at all. Why do you say that? Just not. It just hasn't. I think. Um. I think just in general, the whole like gotta get laid yeah. uh, plot line is not. It's I don't think that's nearly as important as it might have been back in 1999. You know, because nowadays all the kids are getting laid. <laughs> that's true. That's true. They are that you know. So it's not a pursuit anymore. But I don't. Yeah, I don't think. Happening. I don't think in the manner of which you know, like let's do it before we get done with high school. Like yeah, that's yeah. important. You know, and of course, by the end of it, they find out that it's not important to get it done by the end of high school. It doesn't really even matter. You're still going to suck at it, even in college. But they all do, though, right? Yes, they do. Didn't? Yeah, they all they, they all, all get do. laid at that party, right? Uh, no, no. But it's just it's in different spots. Jim gets laid at the party. Yeah, Stifler does uh, all, not get laid. Does, at all, doesn't right? need to because he's the guy who's dating yeah, Tara Reid. They break up. They do break. I up. I don't think they do it. Uh, but then, uh, but then later, Eddie uh, K. Williams has, has with Jennifer Coolidge. Yeah, 
But uh, and, what about Chris Klein? Doesn't he like? Yeah, because they have like that that romantic thing in the in the gazebo, right? Don't they have sex? I think they do. Yeah, I I'll tell you it. what, Chris Klein and Mina Savari, uh, not working very hard in that movie. That's <laughs> no. two of the worst acting performances I have ever seen. It's horrible. Yeah, um, and I, I I always was troubled by that. I felt like the casting director just cast four young guys uh-huh. and didn't really pay any attention to which one got which role. Um, mm. You know. Uh, God, I can't even remember the name of the guy that plays the main character, Jim. Oh, Jason Biggs. Jason, Jason Biggs. Biggs. Yeah, yeah. He was perfectly cast. Mm-hmm. I think he's the probably the most talented actor of that group. Um, but of course, the show stealer in that entire movie is his dad. Yeah. yeah. That's why they keep bringing him back for all these damn sequels. I would say that I think Sean William Scott, even though his that was his role back then, mm-hmm. like, in, you know, that and Final Destination and all these these movies. I think he became a little bit better of an actor over time. Yeah. And by the way, and this isn't part of the topic, there's a movie that he's in. It's a hockey movie called Goon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's actually really good. Jim Marshall made that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they're making, they made a sequel. It's coming out soon or yeah. it already did. It's actually really good. And uh, and I thought he was good in it. But um, but yeah, American Pie, especially the um, the stuff involving the internet. Now, I think even back in 1999, this was way over the line, but like, you know, the Shannon Elizabeth scene mm-hmm. that, you know, that we know American pie for probably more than anything. Yeah. Um, the, the, the crazy thing about that is that she has to, she has to leave the country because yeah. of that. Yeah. Like, like, like it's not the guys who put on this big, huge internet show that are getting in trouble. You know, um, you know, she, she has to leave. She has to go back to Russia in embarrassment because of this. Like, like that's like, like, like the, I mean, come on. Um, I don't, I don't know if you could get away with that scene in a movie today i don't i think people would probably be a little bit more outraged about that type of thing now that you know somebody gets deported because they were unknowingly filmed on an internet thing um yeah i don't know i i I don't think american pie has has aged very well it's very 1999 especially with the the soundtrack yeah Mm -hmm. you know i mean it's uh you know i mean i i like blink 182 and everything but tonic tonic yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's uh it, there, there's like you know it's one of those movies where there's like four or five 90s hits playing yeah. like uh, all in a row yeah. a lot of times um it's interesting i just looked it up you mentioned mina suvari in that that she's just vacuous yeah but then two months later american beauty came out well, she's vacuous in that, but that's the character. Oh, but she's great in that. Yeah, I think she's I got think a lot she's, more. Yeah, but but again, there are. I think there are actors who are who are good for a certain kind of role mm-hmm. and maybe not much else. Well, it's mm-hmm. the same thing with Chris Klein because he was an election. Yeah, yeah exactly. Prior to this, a couple of months prior to this, and uh, and like that role for him is absolutely perfect. Yep. Agree. Yeah. And then like, yeah, he's in American Pie and he has to do a little bit more than be the little doofus or whatever. What's it's he kinda, doing now? I don't know. I feel bad playing for that lacrosse. Guy. Yeah, he's playing lacrosse. <laughs> Professional. Which reminds me, Election has that. It's another, you know, uh, high school movie and everything. But uh, that it, it, thinking about what Chris Klein is doing reminds me of the his little thing at the end where he's like, he's like, what would have happened if I had won that election? Maybe I would have done this, and maybe you would have done that. And then he, and then the camera gets on gets on his face, and he's like, or maybe I'd be dead. <laughs> 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 that's a great one <laughs> i love that uh you guys watched buffy the vampire slayer right yep 
I wanted to talk a bit about their graduation episode because it's interesting for a couple reasons. Um, first, it was that it was it was poorly timed yep. uh, after Columbine, and so it wasn't shown. I think beyond the first time, or maybe it was even was it delayed, or I was think it... it was delayed. Yeah, but you know, here we get sort of a a, a fun monster literal version of what people graduating high school feel like like yeah. the world is coming for me i have no idea what i'm going to do because the the mayor and yeah. basically attacks the town at the graduation ceremony um and it's also i think considered by fans to be one of the, one of the better episodes i think it's a two-parter it's episode. amazing is yeah. it is it a two-parter I yeah so. I, I think the first time i watched it it was all the way through but you had like the it wasn't the introduction of emma caulfield but she was prominently like engaged yeah. in that and she was a former demon and all that Actually, that was probably the peak of that series. Um, I liked season four fine. Season five was great. But that was season three, right? I think so, yeah. And, I mean, that was all of this high school, all of the uh, the metaphors for high school angst and all that stuff and, and terror and, and, and everything all wrapped into one with a very real threat. And everything was just picture perfect. What in happened show. in that episode? By the way, what was the main story of it? The mayor was trying to open the Hellmouth, <laughs> which... You know, imagine as, he, as, as, he, as he always does. Yes, yes exactly. That but, character uh, he was, was great. That character was absolutely great because he was at that point essentially immortal. But was there was there like a mass killing in it? Well, it was all the violence at school, and yeah, okay. Like, they're literally sitting there in caps and gowns, mm -hmm. and he like transforms into some kind of oh. demon. So I think it was just the violence and blood in a yeah, school setting. And see, there were there was like vampires or somebody that were like feeding on the individual. That's students why. Too. That's why. I think we're way too sensitive about that type of stuff. Like, yeah, you don't want to see something that's exactly like something that happened, but mm. that, that right there, that's nothing like anything that happened. You know, that's just, it doesn't matter. Like change the setting to something else, change it to a cornfield. And it's the same, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's no different. You well, know? I remember after nine 11, they were going through friends episodes and taking out those in-between vignette yep. shots that contained the two towers, mm -hmm. that always seemed like... They don't do that anymore, well, and but that seems silly as hell. Remember the the series 24 started yeah. right after that, and it had this whole whole thing like, you know, the... I think the the first episode it, it's just... It's Mia Kirshner, and yeah. she like blows up a plane and parachutes out of yeah. it and everything like that, but I think they had those planes crashing into buildings at one time or oh, something really? like that. There was something about it that they had to change yeah, and or whatever. But I think even that was, was considered a little possibly over the line too, because it just involved planes. And yeah. Everything. And then of course they took down the trailer, the original uh, Spider-Man trailer yeah. because he caught that helicopter. Oh, those the buildings don't exist anymore. We better act like they never did. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. So dumb. Yeah. So yeah. Dumb. Now I will admit my wife loves Friends, and mm -hmm. I turned her onto it. I created an addict, so she'll watch Friends on on Netflix like crazy. Mm -hmm. And it is still a little weird sometimes when they show the two towers in between yep. vignettes, and I'm like, oh yeah, those used to exist. But that's better than like putting blinders yeah, yeah. on, right, and yeah, yeah, pretending yeah, exactly. they never exist. I don't get that. Yeah. Anyway, I wanted to bring up the Buffy graduation episode that's for a great all those episode. Buffy fans out yeah, there. Yeah. I have a few uh, on here that I uh, haven't gotten to, but I know that your initial list that you wrote had a bunch of stuff on it. That was Go good. for it. But I'll, 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 I'll start with one that's on my list. The, I, I mentioned this in an earlier podcast, and, and I think uh, and Aaron was the first one who brought up that it was good, but The Edge of 17 uh -huh. uh, oh. uh, is something that uh, – 
we're going to have a later segment when we're talking about, you know, comedies and everything, but, uh, I, I would recommend everybody watch the edge of 17, uh, when they, uh, listen to this podcast because it's really really good i actually watched this when i was in florida with my family that the day after i had my back incident i basically spent the whole day in the bed mm-hmm. uh and they were all out at the parks doing something and i i remembered you saying that on the taping we did before i left uh so i took it it was one of the movies i took with me uh it's awesome yeah it's all aw- it has completely changed my opinion of Haley steinfeld which which I didn't have a negative opinion about her before. I just thought of her as, oh, it's the girl from Pitch Perfect who also wants to have a singing career. Yeah. Um, but she's fantastic. This yep. is a Emma Stone and Easy A uh-huh. uh, parallel performance in my mm-hmm. book. She she is stellar. Yes. Uh, Woody Harrelson's hilarious. Uh, the things that happen in the movie, it gave me a very Easy A kind of feeling. Yeah. I don't think it's in trying to be quite as funny. I think it's trying to be a little more drama. Got a little bit more drama in it. Uh, but it was fantastic. I really liked it. Yeah. Uh, just an excellent movie. And, and yeah, I, I agree about what you're saying about Haley Steinfeld because uh, my main uh, experience with her was a true grit. Sure. Yeah. And and I thought she's great in that. And she got nominated for an Oscar for that, too. But she was super young. At that she point. was super yeah. young. And then when she and then I was she started getting to this pop music career and everything. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's with varying levels of success. <laughs> I, uh, I I was like, oh, OK, so she I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's wrong of me to look down on people who. Uh, try to go right into pop music and do acting at the same time mm-hmm. and everything. It's hard to take them as seriously a lot of times because it's, you want to do everything, huh? Yeah. You're not going to be great at everything, okay? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like when she started this pop music thing, I was like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, if you do what you do, you be you. Be you. <laughs> uh, but, but then Edge of 17, what's even more remarkable about her performance in that is that she doesn't even really go to, she's never went to high school. She was homeschooled. Yeah. Mm. So all the sort of the, you know, the insecurities of going through high school and everything, she pulls that off really well for somebody who never had to go through all of that. Yeah. Well, I think it's the same thing for Emma Stone in Easy A. Oh, I don't yeah? think she had a traditional high school either. She left home at 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. She was emancipated, yeah. wasn't her, she? Well, her parents were okay with it. Mm-hmm. I think I've read interviews where mm-hmm. she's like, thank God my parents didn't do the sensible thing and stop me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, she also didn't have a traditional high school. Maybe you have to have that kind of perspective to pull something that off because at, at a certain point, in fact, almost the entirety of Easy A, which is so rewatchable, She's she's just magnet. She she doesn't care. She, like she is just giving no fucks. Yeah, the whole way through. Mean Girls is kind of like this with Lindsay Lohan. Like it's just a total outsider perspective, and just kind of seeing above. You know, when you're in the trenches and you're in, it's like when you're at work and like everything is you know within the cubicles and all this drama and all that bullshit. Same thing in high school where you can't see past it. And she can. I think that's what makes it so engaging. Well, uh, Mean Girls even writes it into her character. Like, her parents have been missionaries. Yeah, yeah. She's been in another country, which I always found fascinating because I'm a preacher's kid. I've met a lot of missionary kids. And I say this with two cousins that are missionaries in foreign lands raising wonderful children. Missionary kids are weird as shit. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not their fault because they've been raised in, like, Guyana or something <laughs> in some kind of a third world situation and then they're suddenly here in the US with you because the way at least the way it worked in my religion growing up was that the missionaries would come back every so often and tour a bunch of churches to tell what they've been doing but also raise money for their next missionary tour 
Uh, and so a lot of times they'd be staying at our house or mm-hmm. they'd be staying at a camper park next to our house. It'd spend a lot of time with missionary kids. And mm-hmm. there's just a very strong disconnect there. Well, I like how they weave that into Mean Girls. And that was Tina Fey, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know where she got her impetus for it, but like the pack mentality and yeah. how she sees like uh, the the parallels between the safari and fucking high school and yeah, we're all a bunch of animals. Yeah. But uh, so... Okay, we haven't even mentioned one of the the biggest ones, the Breakfast Club. Oh, oh yeah, which um, now is it you that you're not very high on this movie? I'm not. Um, I don't know if I I have this movie impacted me as much as a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's one of those that I really like. It's just it's never been one of those like oh, gotta watch Breakfast Club or anything. But it's got a lot of the same themes that we're talking about. Today. Oh yeah, uh, it is so. I mean, it's so stereotypical. And and then they expand on it, but mm-hmm. they, it's reductive at the beginning, and I think that's that's kind of where it, it loses me. But then it, it gains a lot of steam later on. Yeah, uh, sort of subtly uh, woven into this movie, not to sound pretentious or anything, but uh, is the pressure that these parents put on their kids. Yep, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things that you don't really you don't really think of it when you first think of Breakfast Club. That's not the immediate thing that comes to mind, but all these characters have that kind of you know especially like emilio estevez's yeah. character man that the it, you can it, it's a comical thing to see him put all that huge lunch out there he yeah. keeps pulling like a bottomless sack of lunch <laughs> and everything out on his thing but that's part of his driven you know wrestler character nature to be like constantly on no yep. matter what even if i'm in detention i gotta make sure that i that I eat well and all that his parents are like you know just you got to be good you got to be the best and judd nelson same thing only not driven to be something mm-hmm. more he's being driven down to be something even worse he's got some great dramatic moments both of them have some great dramatic moments mm-hmm. it's like the john hughes stuff man yeah where it's like and john and say anything has moments of just like where you're like god damn like this is a lot of stuff is real life you know there's fantastical elements to it but it's it's grounded i love and say anything when he says to his sister why can't you just be in a good mood how hard is it to just get in a good mood yeah. mm-hmm. because i think that perfectly sums up the divide between graduating high school or college and adulthood yeah. because in high school you're like hey easy going uh, happy i'll just get it. i'll just get in a good mood and when you're an adult dealing with real world problems sometimes that's just impossible mm-hmm. yeah, your circumstances drive your mood um the optimism goes away. We're making adulthood sound like <laughs> shit. <laughs> well, I think I think what you're trying to maybe possibly be trying to tap into is when you're when you're 16, 17 and 18, there's a lot of this there you know, there's like this great hope of everything. You can accomplish yeah. anything. And Sometimes you are driven into choices that you don't want to get into. Some people do achieve whatever they dreamed when they were 16, 17, 18. Most of us, mm-hmm. you know, are, are <laughs> sort of like we pulled in this one direction and then, then we start liking something. And we're like, oh, this is something that I could do. And then like 10 years later, you're <laughs> like, oh, my God, I hate doing this thing that I thought that I liked, you know, <laughs> yep. or whatever. I, movie theaters were like that for me, too. Last week we were talking about, like, you know, I was telling these people how not to get in trouble at the movie theater. I was sitting there thinking, 
just don't work in a movie theater. Um, <laughs> when I was like 16 and 17, working in the movie theater was the best, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just the best. And and uh, I'll never forget those years. Mm-hmm. And um, and like and then you start getting more and more responsibilities. And that's yeah. when <laughs> that's where shit goes that's wrong. That's when things start going. All right, well, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. And then you're like, all that fun you were having, not really worried about a lot of the stuff that the managers were worried about yeah. and everything. Well, that's why I mean, college is deceptive because you get a lot of freedom when you go off to college mm-hmm. and you feel like this is what adulthood is. I can I can eat pizza at eleven o'clock if I want. I can sleep till noon and skip a class if I want. I no longer have any parents here telling me what to do. And even the professors are a lot more hands off in terms of you miss a class or what have you. Oh yeah, they don't care. Um and and then you get out of college and all the adult shit comes in. I probably told this story before, maybe on the podcast, but there we had a meeting my last week of college. It was like two days before I graduated, and it was all of the graduating seniors piled into the nursing lecture hall. And we all got a piece of paper, and on it it said how much money we owed for the college we just finished. Oh, <laughs> shit. All of the loans I had taken. It wow. was like $34,000, something oh, like that. Now, the school I went to was expensive as hell. Anyway, uh, and I remember coming out of that going, I bought a truck, but I don't get to have a truck. <laughs> and it was just this, I, that was one of the most profound moments in my life when I realized what was waiting on the other side of this pretend adulthood that I had called college. Yeah. It was real adulthood. Somebody's got to pay for all the shit that you do. Uh, and now, from now on, it's going to be you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny thing about kicking and screaming, actually. At that graduation party, uh, one of the guys is sitting around, Otis is sitting around, he's like, how does this work with student loans? Do I have to start paying this off today? (laughs) (laughs) It's the day he graduates. I mean, because I went in and signed all kinds of papers. Loan this, loan that. I want paper. I'm just going to college. (laughs) Nobody's showing me any numbers. (laughs) Not that this movie's about school, but it does sort of do this post-college thing. Reality Bites is very much the same sort of insecurities and what am I going to do and everything. Although we're talking about people who are in their mid-20s at this point i believe mid-20s yeah or just out of college you know and they they say these little jokes like the only thing i learned in college was my social security number because you know you had to write it down (laughs) on everything that you did well and they're all completely stalled in that movie Mm -hmm. i mean the only one with any ambition is winona Ryder, but even she's pretty stalled until ben stiller comes into her life uh and and you know that's what happens i think if you or it's like kicking and screaming. If you decide not to accept adulthood yeah. and, and just do what it, what you can to try and keep living in this college adulthood, which is not real, it's going to catch up with you just like it does in all these people in these movies we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I, 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 uh, I wrote down one uh, that is very school related. I don't know if you would really consider it high school, but the... The school of Hogwarts reminds me <laughs> of high school. Yes. Even as Very you are, much. even if you're in fifth or sixth grade or mm-hmm. whatever you are, or year one or whatever the hell they're calling it when they first get in there. Um, I never went to like a K through 12 institution or anything. I always went through like stuff that had very specific grades or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until high school that I was even in anything that went past three years. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, um, but there are some schools that I guess that do that K through 12 thing might be a little bit more relatable to Hogwarts or whatever like that. But um, what do we think about that as far as, okay, as a school, uh, you know, thing. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely is. And what's cool about Harry Potter is the comfort level that you get with familiarity. 
like having Hogwarts, they go off on all these adventures and it gets more and more perilous and everything. But then you come back and you're sitting down in the Great Hall and you're eating your thing and they're having a conversation. And that's where the movie is grounded. Or the mm-hmm. book is grounded and that kind of thing. Jeremy did this with in The Ables yep. uh, with, with that pizza place oh, where it's yeah. like everybody just, yeah, there's, there's crazy shit going on, but then you settle and it's familiar. Buffy the Vampire Slayer did this with the, the, uh, the, the library when they were in high school. And I love that stuff. I love that if you can have a grounding force, be it school, which is terrifying at first when you, you go to a new environment, but then when you settle in, it's after the first, second, third month, it becomes this comfort to you. And that's what I really dig about the, the Harry Potter franchise. It's almost like a... like. You remember kids who get in trouble and they get sent off to boarding school? Yeah, <laughs> I have no concept of boarding school except what the movies tell me. Yeah. Uh, and you know, but Hogwarts always kind of gave me a boarding school vibe because they're literally living there. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're sent off away from your parents for so long, and I can't relate to that. That's weird. I don't know why I said that. I don't but know when why you do, I brought that up. When you do go to a boarding school, and I don't have the same. I guess I associate it more with college. When you do get in that situation. The people that you're around, including the teachers and the headmasters and all that stuff, they become your proxy family. Oh, like the Poet Society. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To where you start like cultivating these relationships that you may not d- typically get in like a traditional school setting when you go back and forth. Yeah, kind of thing. no, that's interesting. Yeah, it, mm. the, I don't know. The, the weird thing about Hogwarts to me is just, you know, the way these movies are, sh- you know, done, they are obviously from Harry and Hermione and everybody's perspective and everything. You don't really see the seniors or the juniors or whatever doing their stuff. Like, you don't really see anybody like, man, I can't wait to get to that year so that I can perform these type of spells mm-hmm. and everything like that. It's really just sort of insulated. You don't really see any of these. Uh, every once in a while, you'll see like Ron's brothers or somebody like that, and they're usually playing a practical joke on somebody or whatever. Yeah, but, and that's one of the things that the books explore more, I think, yeah. than, than the movies. And, you know, obviously there are terminal limits with the movies and pushing what they're going to content they're going to have in there. But the movie, the books do kind of flesh that world out, the scholastic world out, especially the the, the early ones. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really cool to, to give you an insight because by the time the fourth or fifth books come around, everything's going to shit. Yeah. Like school becomes not school, really. Yeah. Hogwarts is so huge, though. I feel like there should be like way more fucking going on. <laughs> yeah. You realize how often is. these characters get away on their own or by themselves, wh- whether it's out in the woods or up in the bathroom with the weird girl or <laughs> yeah. d- down in the key room. Is she involved? <laughs> well, she could watch. Uh, well, that's mo- a weird, that's a very, un- Moaning Myrtle, it's kind of the uncomfortable scene when Daniel Radcliffe is in the bath. Yeah. And uh, what is that... Uh, uh, Deathly Hallows. No, it wasn't Deathly Hallows. It was. It was. Uh, it was um, Goblet of Fire. Goblet, yeah, of fire. Goblet of Fire. Yeah, where she just comes up from the water. And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm not saying she should have written all the fucking into the books. I'm yeah. just saying that school is so huge and the ratio of students to adults. It should have at least been implied. It should. Like, they should have had something where it was like, and then. <laughs> Debbie and Ryan uh, went over to this room and closed the door behind them, and nobody knew what happened after that. Or, but when you we know. saw them again, they both had magic herpes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I like um, your wizard names, Debbie and Ryan. <laughs> uh, Ryan the wizard, Debbie the witch. Uh, some who call me Ryan. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um 
But yeah, you know, they have the same sort of deal with like Sky High and X Men, where mm-hmm. uh, you know they're going to school for their. You know, there. I, I mean, is there much difference between uh, Xavier School for the Gifted and and uh, Hogwarts? Really, no. there's really not much difference. No, at all. except that Xavier School for the Gifted doesn't have classrooms. They anytime you see them meeting, it's like Charles Xavier in like the middle of a hall. A study. Like people are working. They're learning. The they're learning fire. fucking history. And I was going to say also, he's always quoting them once a fe- once a future king to them and all this literature. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hogwarts, every class seems to be about magic. Yes. I'm wondering when they learn their ABCs and shit. Like yeah. two plus two. Is anyone teaching them that? Because at least we know Charles Xavier is doing that. That's true. Yeah. Hermione's the only one that knows how to read. Yeah, seriously. You had brought up Dead Poet Society. This is another another movie where the pressures given by parents. Yeah. That's like the ultimate like plot driving force. Who of knew that Red movie. was such a fucker? I know, man. <laughs> such a dick in that. Like I you know, and, and you they you know, they personify it with with Kurtwood Smith in that movie. But it's really all throughout. You can tell that all these kids have to deal with parents that are like Kurtwood Smith. It's, it's the the part where he want you know where Robert Sean Leonard wants to act in this play and and everything and and uh, and the you know after it's it's at the very beginning mm-hmm. where he comes in and it's before the play. I think this is before the play. He says, you're going to drop your drop the school annual this year because whatever. He's like, but I've been making straight A's. Mm-hmm. And he's and, he, and he's like, well, excuse me, fellas. Yeah. And then like he goes and yells at him. And then the kid, you know, the, his, his friends come in and they're like, man, just tell him off, man. He's like, what? You're going to tell your parents off, yeah. Mr. Future <laughs> Lawyer and Mr. Future Doctor yeah. and all that. And it's, and then, you know, uh, Ethan Hawke's character, you yeah. know, is, he's got some horrible parents. You know, he does. Uh, the you know like he they keep giving him the same desk set every year <laughs> like you know uh this is you know this is yeah, there's a point where he's like sitting there he's looking at it and everything and he's like what were they thinking he's like i don't think they were thinking at all yeah, yeah. you know and everything but i remember sorry to interrupt my parents two years in a row gave my brother the exact same gift <laughs> when he graduated high school they gave him this really big engraved with his name uh bible and he opens it he's like sitting there for a second he looks at me and mom and dad had completely forgotten they'd given him the same exact gift <laughs> the year before and he thought it was a joke for like three or four minutes anyway i just thought that story just now the following episode is brought to you by Nature Box. Nature Box. Nature Box. Box of Nature. That's right. I have a new thing. Mm-hmm. It's the Graham Jam. Graham. <laughs> the peanut butter Graham Jam. Ooh. Have you guys tried this? No. Holy balls. Mm-hmm. It's basically <clears throat> granola with little fruit bits in there. I think there's some cranberry, maybe some raisin. And then there are these squares uh, of somehow nature box has combined peanut butter and graham cracker into one substance Ooh, mm. and nice. so you got these little squares of like peanut butter f- crunchy flavor that just sprinkle in throughout the gra- it is so good nice. awesome. that i ate two bags in like a day and a half oh no and my wife didn't get to try it <laughs> and she was actually upset this time because that was one she wanted to try <laughs> Because we pretty much, when we get up Nature Box, we split it, right? So it's like, oh, these are the spicy ones. Those are for me. Here's the dried fruit. That's for the wife. And then, of course, I've got like six bags of aged cheddar sourdough pretzels and <laughs> two, two bags of peanut butter graham jam. She's like, oh, I want to try that. No, nope, didn't happen. <laughs> the sub story of all these spots 
is the Mason Dixon line of, of <laughs> you keeping your own stuff and her keeping. We her even stuff. separate it in the cupboard. We do. Listen, they've got new jerky people. New jerky. Oh, oh, let me tell you about this jerky. Oh, it's dope. Oh. Country Archer Sweet Jalapeno Jerky. That Ooh. sounds delightful. Listen, I can eat jerky. Like, you know those movies where they're on a quest and they go through a desert or like over over mountains and stuff, and they always have to have like a bag full of jerky. And, and they probably mm-hmm. end up with that scurvy, like but like nothing I've ever seen. You know, they always have dried meat, and they're it's like revenant, like they're always chewing on some weird like. What, I could survive like that, probably happily, if you had like maybe four, three, four bags of like saddle bags of Nature Box oh, jerky. Yeah, be fine. It'd oh be yeah, fun. yeah, you would be able to survive out in yeah. the wilderness. Eat well, some the good like thing grass about out there. Or something. Jerky is that it's it's protein, right? Mm-hmm. So it helps you feel fuller. Then other types of snacks you might eat, and it's good for your body. It doesn't make you fat. You don't have like all those like trans fats and all that nonsense. Is it uh, turkey or beef? I, I do both, baby. Oh, <laughs> okay. oh, I just meant the one you read off on the name. This is box. beef. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, it's gorgeous. Nah, I like this. Oh, yeah. So, 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 what was the flavor again? Sweet jalapeno. Yes, sweet jalapeno. Jerky. Oh my! Mm-hmm. That sounds like something you would say after you eat it. Sweet <laughs> jalapeno. <laughs> Bob George, sweet jalapeno. That's good. Oh boy, do I love the sweet heat, man! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Between jerky, uh, granola, nuts. Strawberry lemonade, stars, sweets—they mm-hmm. got everything, man. It's 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 good stuff. Order and when you order through our URL, so naturebox.com/sincast, you will be able to not only get three free snacks with your first order, Ooh. but you'll also have access, VIP access, to our favorites. Now I know we've talked about them a lot, but you can go in the top of the page. It'll say Sincast favorites and mm-hmm. Cinemasins favorites, and man, we have good taste. We do. Very good taste. We yeah. do. Of course, Nature Box has good snacks. Yes, they do. And I think that's it's important to mention. Like that's why sort of why I always talk about my wife and I not liking the same thing because they have such a variety that you don't. Um, you can find something you like if you're a sweets person, if you're a crunchy nut person, if you're a you know chocolatey nom nommy person, <laughs> if you're a salty snacker like me. Uh-huh. They've got everything there. Uh-huh. And they stand behind their product, right? So you don't like a snack, they're going to replace it for free. It's good stuff. That's uh, ballsy, I think. Can't beat it. Yeah, yep. exactly. I'm, and I have a feeling one day we'll have even we'll have a second favorite box. Yeah, man. That's, that's something that's going to happen, you know, it's where we just get a whole new variety of snacks and yeah. just like, you know, chow down on those and like, all right, we need to curate another one of these bitches. <laughs> well, that's the thing because when we started doing these nature boxes, ads the peanut butter graham jam did not exist yes mm-hmm. it has come along <laughs> since and won a place in my heart because mm-hmm. they're always making new snacks yeah. and innovating yeah. and uh that's going knows? into the sequel we can call it the sequel box there you go sequel box Ooh, yeah the syncast box the mm-hmm. sequel yes or we could call it the squeakle yeah and we would we would <laughs> we could we would also dried chipmunk in we it. could we could also do the thing where the you know they had the little puppet master thing above it you know the you know curated Cinema yeah. Sins box part two. Yeah. <laughs> this is- and then it'll be like an animated gif of Bella Corosi coming out. Bella Corosi? Legosi. Bella Legosi coming out saying, Pull the string! <laughs> Pull the string! <laughs> you got your Bella Legosi and your Boris Karloff mixed up. <laughs> Who's Bella Corosi or Caroli? Is that that gymnast coach? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I think so. Wow, those are weird two guys to get mixed up. It Although is, I huh? bet you they have both said, pull the string. <laughs> they, they definitely have. Um, but anyway, yeah, go get you some Nature Box. Do That's it right. at naturebox.com slash syncast. 
get three of your snacks free in your first order. Awesome. Yeah, it's good stuff. We really, really like it. Yep. We're not just putting you on. We're not just shining you on. Nope. Now, we wouldn't keep doing this if we were. Okay, so now what we're going to do is we're going to basically start a little movie club. We're going to bring up some movies that you should probably, like, go see mm-hmm. after after this. You, find me in the club. you should join our club, you and your friend. Now, if you're not going to take this seriously, perhaps we should disband the club now. <laughs> <laughs> I love being a part of things. We are in the realm of comedies today. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about some comedies. I don't know if they're, uh, you know, what's what is our parameters on this? Not really anything, I know, but... Are we going under scene or movies that maybe need to get a second look or the way that I'm uh, looking at this is we recommend it uh, collectively and individually. Mm-hmm. What we've uh, what we've done is taken a genre or even a subgenre. Right now we're starting with comedy. We're starting kind of broad, uh, but we plan on moving into like drama to action to horror to to things like that. Western to westerns. Oh, I can't wait for westerns. Sci-fi. By the way. Yeah, 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 and and kind of give you guys our our best picks, the things that really landed for us. And with comedies, the the, the things that we're going to start with are the ones that really just hit us, that smacked us in the face, the ones that are just indelible. Great, great comedies. Mm-hmm. Who wants to start? I'll go ahead and start. Um, so, uh, obviously, this is probably my favorite genre. Mm-hmm. Like, even some really stupid comedies are, like, stuff that I like yeah. a lot of times. Even though I, I feel like I have a, a pretty, like... I don't know. I feel like I have some certain standards on what's funny. Mm-hmm. Like, there's certainly a lot of movies that come out that are horrible that I don't find funny at all. But then there's some, for whatever reason, and I'm not recommending this as far as movie club today, but one of them is like basketball. Yes. You know, I would never <laughs> recommend that to anybody. But man, oh man, did I find reasons to laugh yeah, tons yeah. of times in that terrible movie. Um, but uh, I went ahead and went with... I, I went with I picked three movies that I feel like are are completely underseen or underappreciated or whatever. And um, the first one that I came up with, the Fairley Brothers Kingpin. Oh, oh. nice one. Um, the, the Fairley Brothers made their name with their something about Mary and, and really everything sort of fell off the cliff after that anyway. Like they did me, myself and Irene. That was a, sort of a modest hit. And then everything after that, they really haven't ever achieved anything close to that. Since. Yeah. But before this, they had dumb and dumber. And then in between dumb and dumber and there's something about Mary, they had Kingpin. Yep. Nobody watched King. Nope. And it had Woody Harrelson, Bill Murray <laughs> and uh, Randy Quaid. Yeah. And it's a it's a bowling comedy, but it is it is got some great stuff in it. Yes, it's it does. just it just nobody ever watched it, especially the finale with Bill Murray and Woody Harrelson in the bowling tournament. Yeah. That there's some their fairlies are actually really cooking on that bowling tournament thing. Like they, yeah. you know, they put in that song, I can't remember the name of it or whatever, but it's a uh, um the one that's like whatever. I don't remember how it goes. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, there's that, but this, you know, it starts off, it, you know, it starts off with basically Woody Harrelson losing his hand and, uh, and he has to put a hook in there and everything. And like, he, he's been out of touch so long that he doesn't realize that his name has been turned into a, you know, a verb basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you've been munsoned. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> so, so basically just uh, anything that the really bad happens to somebody. It's, it's, they're called Munson yeah. and uh, everything. But 
it's a it's a fun little road adventure type movie and it's a you know it's you think it's mainly about harrelson trying to teach this amish person oh, played by great. randy quaid randy quaid's great in this that's probably the the best one of the best randy quaid yeah oh yeah and uh and it's got some trademark fairly sick yep. kind of humor in it too this was the movie that that taught me i wasn't gonna be a fairly brothers fan <laughs> and it's all because of that fucking landlord lady yeah lynn shea yeah. who is most known as insidious lady at this point <laughs> but uh but like yeah that scene is gross yeah, yeah. it's so yeah. gross um, probably what kept me from ever going back but, to the movie again but at the same time it's one of those type of things where it's it's so gross for a reason mm -hmm. you know it's really just kind of it's kind of making you try to be it feel icky and try to laugh at it at the same time and yeah. it's a hard trick to pull it's off like what they did it's something about mary yeah yeah, yeah they a did lot a lot of that there. they did a lot of that in there but mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, I recommend Kingpin mainly because Bill Murray is hilarious in this movie. Yes, this he is, is one of Bill Murray's best, like really sort of, you know, we talk about Ghostbusters and we talk about Lost in Translation and a lot of his, you know, his latter day dramas and everything and Broken Flowers and stuff like that. Nah, Kingpin, he is absolutely fantastic. This is maybe his last big, broad comedic role. Yeah. I mean, I he's been so. funny and everything else since then, but this is the end of the screwball Bill Murray. I yeah, think. yeah. Um, but uh, I recommend Kingpin. It is do it does have a lot of gross out stuff in it, but uh, it's a it's just a really fun. And Woody Harrelson, I think this is one of the first movies where I thought he was yeah. you know was really good. I mean, he had been in some. Yeah, I mean, natural born killers i guess was a was a was a good start for me as far as shaking woody from cheers off and everything uh but i i really started to really get into woody harrelson too at this point and then uh vanessa angel just uh gorgeous, oh, yeah. Yeah. gorgeous yeah uh woman that is in this uh but she's also not just she's not just the bimbo or mm -hmm. whatever um she's got she's got a good character too mm -hmm. so that's the that's that's, the, that's the first one off yeah, the bat. I like that. So I'm gonna go with uh, one that I think is underseen, mm -hmm. uh, and that's Bowfinger. Yeah. Oh, nice. With Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy, Heather Graham, um, <clears throat> that actress I can never remember who always plays the bitchy mom. I She's can't one of the bitchy moms on that Big Bang Theory show. Uh, uh, it's um, Christine. Uh, Christine Baranski. Baranski. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Sorry, I just inadvertently called you uh, a bitch, Christine. You're very nice and lovely. Uh, and so, you know, bo uh, basically Bowfinger, the character that um, Steve Martin is playing, is a wannabe movie producer. He's got an office. Mm -hmm. He's got some crew members he works with that knows, but he's a nobody. Um, and he dreams that someday the FedEx truck will drive down his street and give him a script. Um but it doesn't happen. So he's got this terrible writer with him and he writes this script for a, a movie called an alien movie called Chubby Rain. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's delusional. So he thinks we're going to get Kit Ramsey for this. Kit Ramsey is Eddie Murphy, a great, big, huge movie star. And one of the best reasons to watch this movie is the Scientology parody. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> because uh, the characters involved in a organization called Mindhead. Uh, <laughs> and when you walk in, you just hear this, welcome to Mindhead. Welcome to Mindhead. And it just keeps going on and on and on. Terrence Stamp is the guy that runs it. Um, and of course, for various reasons, they can't get Kit Ramsey. Uh, but he has told his crew and everybody that they can. And so th thus begins the great con where 
he's trying to film Eddie Murphy's character out and about in L.A. Yeah. and has told all of his actors and crew, don't talk to Kit. This is his process. He doesn't want to talk to you. He just wants to do the scene and then disappear. So they're filming his everyday activities <laughs> and sometimes running up and yelling at him about aliens. Of course, he's got conspiracy theories. His brain is falling <laughs> apart. So he actually begins to think aliens are coming after him. Then they end up hiring this guy who looks like Kit Ramsey. Yep. Mm-hmm. Turns out later in the movie, it's his brother. Yeah. They don't know that at the time, but it's like the opposite of a macho action star. It's, a, <laughs> it's one of my favorite Eddie Murphy performances ever. I uh, used to die when Eddie Murphy would, in stand-up, do his impression of a white person's yep, voice. Yeah. Yep, yep. And there's a little bit of that in this character. Uh, and it just, you know, feel. I don't know when it came out. If it came out at a bad time or if it got bad reviews. I I enjoyed it the first time I saw it. And every time that I see that it's on, I check out a few minutes of it. It's a very fun satire of the movie industry. Uh, and all, you know, the Christine Baranski character mm-hmm. is this great actress who wants to respect Kit's method but i'm used to meeting the actors before i do my scenes and everybody's pretentious and heather graham is sleeping her way through everyone in the set because she's not sure she's just got off the bus to california she's not sure who has the power to make her a star but she's gonna fuck anyone that that might yeah Uh, i just really enjoy it and uh, for some reason it just seems like it never comes up in conversation and kind of flew off everybody's radar it's uh uh, it's another one that just uh, out of nowhere frank oz directed this steve martin wrote the screenplay It did come out in 1999. It came out in August of 1999, wow. which is a bad, bad, uh, especially. Yeah, there was a lot of meat going on around that time. Yeah, right? yeah. And, well, this came out a week after Sixth Sense. Oh, wow. Oh, you that's know, why it disappeared. Yeah, I mean, it just, I mean, it, it didn't have much of a chance, really. Um, I agree. I really enjoyed this. I don't remember much about it. I haven't seen it since it came out. Oh, I But I do remember some parts in it that were really funny in it, like, like there's this there's this crew like these i think he's got like mexicans working for him or oh, something they literally like back yeah. a van up to the border and and some of the people <laughs> running across the border end up in the van right. but by the end of the movie they're like talking about lenses and yeah they're, like, they, 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 all they're film experts by yeah. the end of it and it's very subtle how they how they do this progression because at first they're just there to do some like simple jobs and everything but by the end of it they're talking about like yeah i used a 3.5 aperture on this or whatever you know um but uh yeah bowfingers are really yeah that's really kind of like uh i, I would recommend that yeah. as well even though i haven't seen it in forever maybe i watch it you know later and i'm like whoa i should have take that took that back but no i remember really liking this. yeah yeah it's broad it's not it's hilarious, but it's Steve Martin being right in his wheelhouse, it and it's Eddie Murphy right in his wheelhouse two ways, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's maybe the last good Eddie Murphy, mm-hmm. I mean, unless you count Shrek or some bullshit, which I don't. Mm. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah. Um, the last great Eddie Murphy performance. Yeah, I don't I don't maybe think... Maybe Dreamgirls? Yeah, I mean, Dreamgirls is good, but like as far as like comedy performances, I you can't really, you can't... You can't put Norbit in there. You no. can't put uh, Nutty Professor. No. Well, I, I guess mean, that was before. Nutty Professor was before, and some people actually don't like it. But I, I, I was fine with Nutty Professor. It's just after this, 1999, it was like it was. I believe Pluto Nash. Pluto Nash was another bad one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he was just in all the. I, you, you would always every time an Eddie new Eddie Murphy movie would Thousand come out. Words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every time a new Eddie Murphy movie would come out, you're like who is telling you to do these movies yeah they they were i mean they're insane it's either his agent or his agent got him only the things that 
Well, and he's kind of aping that in Bowfinger because yeah. he turns down a script in one early scene because there's too many uses of the letter K. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's done yeah. the math, and it breaks down to visible by three. And yeah. so he's kind of making fun of himself a little bit there. I just love the scene when they need to get uh, the brother as a stand-in to run across the L.A. freeway. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the nerdy, white-voiced Eddie Murphy character. And so the whole time he's running across the, the street, he's just going, Heavenly God, Heavenly God, Heavenly God, Heavenly God, Heavenly God. <laughs> even, uh, even a movie like Tower Heist, which was, I think, was supposed to be sort of a comeback for him. That was another one that just didn't... Fuck that movie, man. Yeah, I right? watched that the other day, and the least believable thing about that is Ben Stiller's fucking New York accent. Yeah. <laughs> and it just comes, everyone's, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Mrs. Miller, yeah, you come in here. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Why, do, why even do it? I don't know. But don't know. It, that was a movie that it seemed like, okay, well, maybe Eddie Murphy's going to finally come back into comedies. It's got to say it's a good premise for him to mm -hmm. get in, and it, it really wasn't. Yeah, I mean, there was nothing wrong with his performance, mm -hmm. but it just, it was like Eddie Murphy light. Yeah, and I, you know, you gotta wonder, like, with Eddie Murphy, like, is, is it is it because, yeah, I mean, when when you get a, to a certain age, you're no longer that, you know, he's not that guy that did Trading Places and mm -hmm. another in Forty Eight Hours and Beverly Hills Cop and all that, because he was just like he was just manically going through those and and improvising and all this other stuff. There was a there was an interesting uh, little tidbit. Uh, Walter Hill was on a Mark Marin podcast recently, and he was talking about Forty Eight Hours. And he told Nick Nolte, he's like, he's like, you're going to be paired with this guy who's not an actor. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're going to have to be, say he's not going to be very good on a lot of these takes. So you have to be perfect on every take. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Nick Nolte's like, like this is a bunch of bullshit, or whatever. And apparently, Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy got along, according to Walter Hill or whatever. But yeah, apparently, like Eddie Murphy was like fucking up most of the takes. And, oh, that's funny. And you know, and like Nick Nolte had to be great every single time. And when they got Eddie Murphy to be good, oh, okay, that's the take we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is completely unrelated. I don't know why I just remembered this, but I read an article a few days ago. Maybe you saw it about Fassbender and the Steve Jobs movie. Oh, yeah. And how he he thought about breaking his arm intentionally the oh. day before shooting to get out of it because he felt he was horribly miscast and he just had this completely negative attitude. Actually asked his driver on the way to the set. If, if you could just slam this door in my arm, it'd break, and then I could get out of this. Wow. Now, he, in hindsight, he's glad he did the role. Yeah. But you know, right before shooting, that's how sure he was it was going to be bad. I think that gives you a glimpse into how much some of these people really care mm -hmm. about both the craft and their art, but also their reputation, mm -hmm. um, which is funny because... I thought I was going to read a story about him trying to get out of shooting Assassin's Creed. Yeah, no kidding. Not Steve Jobs. <laughs> right. Apparently he didn't try to break his arm before Assassin's Creed. I have Creed. a weird thing about that because um, Fassbender, Marion Cotillard, and I think Jeremy Irons were all in that director, Justin, uh, I forget his last name, but he he was in that Macbeth that he did oh, right before that. And that's they how all he got came him in back. this movie. Yeah, they all came back for Assassin's Creed. And Roken Creed. Isn't, isn't yeah. that interesting how weird movies like that, they, they, they all decide, we're going to do another movie together. Like that happened with, um, uh, it was A Knight's Tale with Heath Ledger and Shannon Sossaman and a lot of the people who were in it, I think Mark Addy, mm. uh, they all decided we're going to do the order after this. So they did the movie, the order, yes. the same oh, director yeah. and everything. 
Uh, and it's like after a Knight's Tale, you guys decided <laughs> like that wasn't a success. Maybe you had so much fun, you're like, "Ben, the order is an awful movie." I'll tell I you what, Knight's Tale was an awful. Uh, Knight's Tale has a following. Yeah, there is yeah. A, a, a large underbelly out there that love that movie, yeah. and it was never good in my mind. No. I get, I get that. I get why you might enjoy watching it. But please don't tell me it's good. Yeah. Please don't do that. Please don't make me have that conversation. <laughs> Sorry, we were talking about comedies and I derailed us. Yep. All right. Oh, I got I got the smartest comedy that's based on a board game Boom. ever. Clue. All right. Clue was such a weird idea. Um, but when I was it came out in nineteen eighty five, I was so young that I had just started playing the board game. Mm. So it was just like I almost associated more with the movie than the board game at that point. And it's hilarious. Mm -hmm. This is one of the smartest, funniest, quickest movies that you'll ever see. I don't know how long it is, but it feels very, very quick. It's an hour and a half, basically. Yeah. Uh, and that's with three endings. Mm -hmm. But uh, Tim Curry gets overshadowed a lot uh, because he's done such broad stuff. And he did Congo and he did Charlie's Angels later on. Yeah. Then, you know, but uh, in the prime of his career after Rocky Horror Picture Show and then this... He was one of the most physically gifted comedic actors, timing-wise. He was hilarious. He had this rapid-fire dialogue, some of which you see in in Home Alone Two, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but it, he's <laughs> he is the center of this whole thing. He knows everything, and he's got all of the information on all of the people. And it's it's a murder mystery, but it's just a hilarious comedy. At the time, in mid '80s. You had Madeline Kahn, who is a comedic genius. Oh, herself. Madeline Kahn's a legend. You had Christopher Lloyd. You had Martin Mull, uh, who's just up there all time mm -hmm. for me. Tim Curry. You had um, Eileen Brennan. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. You had Leslie, Leslie Ann, Ann Warren, Warren yeah. as Miss Scarlet. And these characters, which is so crazy to say because they're based on little cards in a, in a game, these characters are pretty fleshed out. Yeah. Uh, it's got a lot of like adult humor about what they're being blackmailed for and but it still hit me as a kid because it was just so widely it like it, it just the, the reactions were so hilarious and it's quick it is a great movie you should check it out yeah i haven't seen it in years oh you have to see it that's right. i'm gonna, I'm gonna add good, it to my list because have I, such a good time. last time i saw it i would have been probably under 16 um so i'm I don't remember much at all about it. Yeah. There was something that came up about Clue, I think, last year when we were doing some podcasts, and I went and watched it again for the first time uh -huh. in forever. And that movie's just nutty, man. It's, it's just great. absolutely yeah. whirlwind how fast everything is going in it. And it's crazy. Like, they don't give a fuck, man. It's just <laughs> like, it's just crazy all the way throughout. It's, yeah, I would definitely recommend it. Um, definitely a movie that I think back in the day just got swamped. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, they didn't make those type of comedies. I mean, it's been it making a farcical comedy in the 80s. You know, that that was still like we were still far removed from those days in right. the 40s and the 50s where yeah. they used to make those a lot. It was after, I guess, Mad, Murder Mad, by Mad, Death. Mad, Mad World yeah, and all that the, the uh, started one. coming out. And and uh, yeah, something like this comes out in the middle of a decade where you had, you know, you had mostly high school teen comedies. Mm -hmm. You had. Uh, Ghostbusters, you had uh, Beverly Hills Cop, all these type of movies. And then this one kind of comes in and it's like, you know, oh, am I going to watch a movie based on a board game? Yeah. I will not. <laughs> and it's not dated at all. It's actually set back in the 30s or 40s or something yeah. like that. Maybe even 50s. 
but it's it's great. One of the the characters I left out, Michael McKeon, yeah. is in there as Mr. Green, oh. who uh, you know they go through all the blackmails and everything. And he's like he stands up. I'm not going to wait for anyone to unmask me. You can imagine the Michael McKeon voice. <laughs> yeah, I work in the FBI and. I am a homosexual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, today Michael McKean's probably best known right now for Better Call Saul. Exactly, yeah. Which yeah. is the polar opposite style of acting. He's way more talented than I felt like he ever got credit for. Oh, no kidding. In, in Spinal Tap and yeah. in all the, the Christopher Guest yep. films, he's terrific. And he's he's great in this. Everybody should should give this a shot. You won't be disappointed. And also Colleen Camp, Lady Vet. Colleen oh Camp. yes oh my god colleen camp is another one it's like she's been in a million movies yeah. over the years like and she's kind of chameleon like a little bit you know back in this era she's always playing like really hot and sexy mm-hmm. type of characters and everything she's really good in this but like yeah you'll see her and like play reese witherspoon's mom in election and oh she's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. uh she's like one of the random police women and die hard with a vengeance or whatever oh, this is she you know she kind of like Every time I see her, I'm like, who is that? Yeah. Oh, it's Colleen Camp. (laughs) And she's on a lot of stuff. Um, All right. So, all right. I've got a couple others here. One, we've talked, we've definitely talked about Gross Point Blank before. I love this movie. But I've got to bring this up again. It's Mm -hmm. just another one of those movies that I don't think people really talk about. And uh, 10 years. 10 10 years. How about 20? Because that's how long ago it took, it came out. Um, This is kind of a graduation story, too. It is. It's, uh, it came out in a year where there was two. Two high school reunion movies. You have this and Romy and Michelle's yep, high school yeah. reunion, which is not a bad movie in its own mm-hmm. right. Uh, but Gross Point Blank is so fun, so well written, so smart, has so many great actors in it too. John Cusack, this is one of his one of his best. He is this sets the 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 mark for all of his latter day self-knowing like wink wink smarter than everybody quicker than everybody performances Mm -hmm. Um, because before he was still the baby-faced type of type of dude and then with this around high fidelity and this like it just it just set him on that that course for the rest of his career and he was destined to star in the raven yes yes he was in 2012 (laughs) indeed you, you take one look at him in this movie and you're like, he's destined for some Roland Emmerich movie. Well, I remember bringing up that uh, Mr. Wright movie with Anna Kendrick and Sam Rockwell. And and Gross Point Blank is what that movie wishes it could be. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's got some enjoyable moments here and there. But gross, you know, it's basically a hit man who's, who's telling the truth. Basically, a lot when he's asked, "What do you yep. do?" Up, oh, contract killer, and nobody believes him. I love uh, that part. Yeah. I do too. But gross point blank is the is the the mold yeah. for what that Mister Wright movie was trying to be. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it's just perfect. Dan Aykroyd is so enjoyable. This is <laughs> one, this is probably his last great mm-hmm. performance too. I mean, uh, and he he had not been in very much before this. Uh, that was you know post ghostbusters was very good either i mean it was kind of came out of nowhere i think you're forgetting that insurance commercial with the coneheads from two years ago oh. where they redid the pet khakis commercial but uh, with the coneheads yes i am that was some of his I, finest work you're right i am forgetting that <laughs> um but intentionally uh but uh but yeah he he's really good in it but yeah, I mean it, it's a it's you know it's one of those absurd premises type of thing where he is a he is a an assassin, and he's a hired killer who get who somehow some way the school finds 
finds his address or whatever and says, hey, we've uh, gross pointers. We got a high school <laughs> reunion and everything. I think that's kind of a funny thing in itself because, you know, no matter where you go, your high school or college always seems to find out where you are. Uh, college oh, yeah. does for sure. They're they trying to look for money all the time. Um, the funny thing about that is when Joan Cusack is reading it to him over the thing, like, sir, why don't you think about doing this? I think it could be really good for your mental health <laughs> and, and their brother and sister. So yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Like that nice camaraderie. Yeah. Um, and you, know, you got Alan Arkin in this. Who's great yeah. in it. He's playing his psychologist. Actually, he's, he's playing a, his unwilling psychologist. Yeah. Cause it, it was like, he's like, He's like, uh, Martin, the first time you came in here, I didn't know what you did. He's like, but after the, the four sessions, you told me what you did. And then and then I, I, I'm I afraid of you or whatever. He's like, and, um, no, this is not healthy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Alan, he's like, it's like, it's like, oh, yeah, go, go back to your home now for a few days. Don't kill anybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, the. The absurd premise of him going back to going back to his old town, going to a high school reunion. He's a contract killer, of course. Of course, while he's out there, he's got this job he yeah. has to do as well, and uh, and everything. But he's he's trying to make good with his old girlfriend that he left yep. with no explanation. Mini driver uh, yep. also having a pretty good year that year. Is this and Goodwill good Hunting? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so, those are the only two things that I can really stand her in, or yeah. even remember her from. Yeah, um, but he's also got other hitmen like dan Aykroyd trying to kill him why he doesn't want to join the union yeah <laughs> well he, and and he he's got a contract on him because he kill he accidentally killed somebody's dog yeah and uh and he and if he agrees to join this union he they won't kill him or whatever but yeah there's a whole there's a whole like just a whole bunch of different meetings between them and everything like he's like you know come on and join us it'll be you know it's like, what is it like a, is it like a union it's like oh, think of it like a, like a club yeah i yeah. love what dan dan Aykroyd has all these isms in this movie like easy chatty kathy clip your string yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got all these witty popcorn popcorn yeah yeah it's like when they're at the the table and they've got the guns underneath the table yeah, yeah. And both pointed at and uh and he's like I, I think you went to the government i think you you sold me out and he was like me yeah go g yeah yeah <laughs> never. never never oh, and then God. there's like whole thing too the waitress comes over and asks him what he's like he's like uh He's like, uh, yeah, I'd like to have uh, have a uh, an omelet. And he's like, what do you want to have in the omelet? And he's like, um, I don't know, I don't want anything. I just want the protein or whatever. And he's like, that's technically not an omelet. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, well, I don't want to have a semantic argument about. It. <laughs> um, but gross point blank is just very witty and very smart all the way through, and it's a it's just a hilarious movie. And definitely, you must good call. Watch it. Good call. Uh, I'm gonna reach way back way way back and i'm gonna give you the court jester with danny k and a young jessica fletcher really from tv's murder she wrote <laughs> angela lansbury angela lansbury is in this movie <laughs> she should change her name to jessica fletcher oh i saw i know her i did watch that show growing up uh she's the princess that he's trying to get with of danny k is a legend uh -huh. uh, for good reason. And you watch a movie like White Christmas, which I think more people have seen that than something like Court Jester. And you can see he's got good comedic timing. He's got a fair voice. He's a good dancer. But like we don't have John Ritter and Three's Company and the like if we don't have Danny Kaye mm -hmm. back in this day making these slapstick 
very physical comedy. If you want, if you do decide to watch the court jester, just watch how hard his body is working. Whether again, we wouldn't have Jim Carrey if it mm. wasn't for Danny Kay. Um, and it's just really fast. The, some of the humor is really smart and wordplay based. Some of it's slapstick. And there's a whole scene where he's been hypnotized into thinking he's this great sword fighting warrior. So every time he hears a clap, he becomes confident in this battle. But <laughs> all these noises around him keep making clap noises that pull him out of that hypnotize. <laughs> and so now he's in the middle of a sword fight, but he's just a court jester. Um, my wife and I quote this constantly. Um it's just it's really short and it's a very simple story of he's pretending to be this court jester that they waylaid outside the castle. So he's not even really a court jester. He's trying to get close enough to help rescue this princess. Um, <clears throat> fantastic. It's really, really fun. Good songs. Um, I I don't want to sit here and quote lines that you guys don't know and recognize because nobody will laugh with me. Well, it came out in 1955. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's it's color. Um some of the Danny Kaye stuff I love, like uh, oh, the Inspector General, that's black uh-huh. and white. Uh-huh. Um, and that's great, too. And, and you really can't go wrong with any early Danny Kaye stuff. But the court jester is one that I, I have never shown that to somebody that didn't fall in love with it. Uh, thank God my mom was such a Danny Kaye fan. She put his stuff in front of me as a kid. So I'm watching Inspector General as a 10-year-old. <laughs> uh, and so I just I grew up with this stuff. It's one of my happy places. Uh, but I do think you'll laugh. Uh, it's a completely different era of filmmaking. They don't mm-hmm. make movies like this at all anymore. Um, but still really charming and delightful. And I would recommend you check out The Court Jester. This is a very a good, good recommend. This is a good one because I have I've this was not on my radar at yeah. all. It's something that I'm going to have to watch now. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, mm-hmm. now that you know Jessica Fletcher's in it. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. And <laughs> and I can finally get that joke in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation when uh, Chevy Chase says, uh, we're going to celebrate this Christmas like we're Danny fucking K. <laughs> 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 mm. <clears throat> well, we've mentioned this movie uh, a bit because we've been talking about its cousin, uh, The Holy Grail. Uh, but we haven't really talked about Monty Python's The Life of Brian. Oh, much. yeah. Mm. And I think it is because of what we we actually have had some uh, sort of confirmation from our international listeners, listeners is that this one is more popular in the UK and in Europe yep. than Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which is, I think, the opposite in, in the US. Yes, it is. Um, if you haven't seen The Life of Brian... You should definitely see it. And if you like if you like our brand of comedy at all, you should definitely be watching this movie. Mm-hmm. It is it, it's not as blasphemous as you would think. Right. It, 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 it is loving of the source material and hilarious and subversive and everything. Um, Graham Chapman as as a, a leading man uh, for for Monty Python mm-hmm. is just perfect. Yes, he is. And him as this guy that's been mistaken for the Messiah, <laughs> uh, in the same general area, in the same uh, age range, and everything, just keeps getting mistaken for Jesus Christ. Well, that's the that's the sort of the defense of the movie, right? Is that it's it's other people in the movie yes. think it think he's Jesus Christ. And there's a part in the movie where the actual Jesus Christ is ta- is talking, and it's, there's nothing wrong with what he's doing. Yep. He's do- he's, te- he's doing his teachings yes. on the on the side of a mountain or side of a hill. Or I whatever. think that was the Sermon on, on the Mount. Yeah, the Sermon it? on the Mount. Yes, because they've got. It's funny because if you look, if you follow the Bible, you grow up reading the Bible. You know, the Sermon on the Mount is he's up there and he's proselytizing to all of these these people around. And what you don't think about the people that are super far away. 
and can't hear real well. Yeah, so when yeah. he's like, blessed are the peacemakers, he's like, did he say blessed are the cheesemakers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's probably not just the cheesemakers. No. All conveyors of dairy products. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, and now I know that the you know it's it's also a gateway for them to be able to say these type of things yeah. too so it's not like it's it's not completely like you know <laughs> innocent here but it, as far as the portrayal of jesus christ himself it has nothing exactly it doesn't say anything it's saying more about the stupidity of people and really about the people back then who didn't have you know internet or mm-hmm. pictures or anything to really know what he might look like no and then you see all the different factions split off where like one of his shoe falls off and somebody follow the shoe and somebody's <laughs> like yeah, a different thing and then you get into the 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 uh, coliseum and they're all like in their different factions he's like we're the judean's people's front and it was like who's that over there and he's like that's the people's front of judea <laughs> like, this is by the way two movies that uh have sermon on the mount references that we've talked about because in dead poet society Oh, he's yeah, joking yeah. about all their names. Mr. Mm. Meeks, time to inherit the earth. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's great, man. The, every joke in this thing lands for me. I mean, where it's it, where he's graffitiing the outside of, of pilots or the Romans, and it's Romans go home, and uh, the, the Roman guard comes out, and he's like, what is this? Romanus goes... Oh no, you misspelled that. Now you got you got to get back there and and you want to erase that and you want to put and now now conjugate this conjugate yeah and he's like oh okay and then it's Romans go home and he's like I want you to write that a hundred times on this wall. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. It is ev- every bit as good as as Holy Grail and and definitely maybe even more enjoyable. It's got the iconic song at the end of always look on the bright side of life, Mm -hmm. which is a great fun song, but in context where it's like they go through this thing before the crucifixion He's in the, uh, in the jail and everything. And the guy's like, I wouldn't mind a crucifixion. At least, yeah. it, at least it gets you on the open air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then uh, you know Eric Idle's just like, and always look on the side. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's great. Yeah, so definitely a recommend. I've also talked about Top Secret before. Yeah, and this is another movie that the Zucker brothers did. That you know we we really look at them as airplane and the naked gun. Mm-hmm. But in between that, they did top secret, which is, is, um, it's just as funny as those movies. Yeah. Um, it just, I don't know. It just came out during a, a different time. It's a, such a different type of movie. The subject matter isn't immediately accessible because it's basically Val Kilmer playing Elvis mm-hmm. essentially. Um, not for the first lot for the last time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I mean, it's he, he's not really Elvis in the movie, but he's a rock star that people know. And he just happens to be uh, a part of this French resistance uh, during <laughs> World War Two. And it's just it's an ins- it's like it's not it's not something that you would consider the breeding ground for parody comedy or anything. But man, there are so many great gags in this. And uh, and, you know, I mean, just, you have the you have the scene where uh, they're at the Swedish bookstore and everybody it's everything's backwards. Yeah. And they actually, 
they actually did i think they did everything backwards and then made it go forwards oh wow so like so like you know they go into the everything looks kind of awkward because it's not perfect it's not seamless or anything but you know you see shots of like val kilmer like holding a book and the book flying onto (laughs) the very end of the very end of the scene there's a dog running backwards (laughs) 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 and then it's like uh there and and uh and the librarian in that uh, scene is peter cushing oh no kidding yeah yeah not not the cgi peter cushing (laughs) Um, that would be weird that's right that's one advantage it has over the force awakens but there's like a uh, uh not the force awakens but rogue one mm-hmm. there's a uh you know there's another scene where you're seeing like dots follow where everybody's going and the yeah. sc- whole screen fills with dots and then <laughs> pac-man shows up on the screen <laughs> um it was the first it was the it may not have been the first movie that ever did this but it was the first movie i ever saw where like they they go through the plot of the movie and it's like i'm not the first person who lost a girl and then blah 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 goes through all this weird chaotic plot stuff and everything and then she goes it's just like some bad movie and then they look at the camera (laughs) (laughs) and there's like you know just just weird it is like you know like the the like a scene where they're May, they show them like making out and there's a fireplace or whatever like the next time you see them making out they're like uh, like flying out of a plane or something and there's a fireplace <laughs> with a parachute <laughs> it's, it's you know it's there's so many great things and and i don't want to go through them all but I, I could sit here probably through an entire two-hour podcast <laughs> and go through how many funny gags are in top secret i so, seen that, that movie ages. yeah i gotta check it out again so if we're, we're doing uh, this is good yeah because we're probably giving the listeners at least a couple suggestions definitely but if we ourselves can be re-exposed to something or exposed the first time that's even better icing on the cake let's expose ourselves yes let's Mm -hmm. expose ourselves Mm -hmm. with icing on the cake that's right barrett has just exposed himself i kind of you you mentioned basketball is like not a recommend but something that you enjoy Mm -hmm. and jeremy you were talking about vacation yeah the new vacation yeah watched a little bit of that yesterday i throw one out there that that's more enjoyable fletch lives oh Oh, yeah fletch lives has some great stuff in it it is not a good movie yeah right (laughs) but it's pretty hilarious especially at the time it came out there was all the televangelizing stuff Mm -hmm. and in that it's like bible world or something in this where uh they're trying to buy up Fletch's land that was given to him by an aunt. Um, and yes, it's formulaic. And of course, it's Chevy Chase doing his smarmy thing. But some of that stuff just is my jam, man. Like uh, when he's walking up to, to get into line to the, the, the evangelist guy, uh, they're trying to get his information. They're like, well, what's your name? And he's like, Erwin uh, M. Fletcher, Erwin Mahatma Fletcher. And, uh, and, <laughs> and he was like, what's your address? He's like, seven. there's there's great stuff in there man and it's uh, it's fun it's funny i i don't remember fletch lives very much i know fletch pretty well Mm -hmm. um but i'm pretty sure that there's some gags in fletch lives that i'm confusing for fletch and vice versa because those movies are very similar yeah um, yeah, the whole Harley Davidson thing where he goes into a biker bar, like dressed to in this real nerd outfit, and he's like, My name is Harley, Jim Harley. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, we're going to kick your ass. And he's like, 
I like your bikes out there. My daddy made it. Harley Davidson, that's awesome. And it's, I, it's is it, just is it in Fletch Lives where he goes in and he pretends to be a bug man? And that is in Fletch Lives, yes, because it, it's the tiniest little bug. Yeah, it gets in your ear. And they multiply by masturbation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest things are those bits when he keeps like uh, going through and like and, and fooling these people with his disguises and everything is at the end always like his his little expression like i can't believe that works yeah, <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's fun fun shit chevy chase in his prime was some good shit man oh yep. yeah yep well and even a movie like funny farm which wasn't a great movie by any means where he goes out to the country and he's trying to write a book and mm-hmm. everything with his wife that movie i used to watch all the time i'm sure if i watched it now i would realize it's not very good but it's so I used, funny though. i used to watch it all the time because he's so funny in that yeah because he had the two modes he had fletch mode the smarmy asshole mm-hmm. which was also more of like the snl thing and then he had the goofy clark griswold yeah uh, speed and both of those are just funny as hell to me yeah all right go some some questions questions question question i got something to say I am listening. Okay, we'll do the first one. In a recent podcast, someone mentioned a big surprise at the start of a movie. What comes to mind for the biggest surprise at the start of a movie? Well, this was when we were talking about Children of Men. Yeah, yeah. And that explosion. And so I'm just going to, again, not, not, I'm not answering what I think the biggest of all time is. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to answer, answer one that was big. And that's uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> because the first two diehards lull you into it. Mm-hmm. Right. The first two diehards both have 20 minutes easy before anything starts happening. The first one is him, you know, getting in the limo and getting to the building and getting checked in, talking to his wife, what have you. The second one is him getting to the airport, getting a phone mm-hmm. call from his wife. Uh, and so the third one, you're not expecting what happens. And so you get the opening credits. It's playing uh, hot town somewhere <laughs> in the city. Back yeah. on and it's showing all these sweltering people in New York City and some kind of heat wave. And it pans over down the street. And then suddenly, boom, yeah. there's a yeah. huge explosion. And I remember more than any other movie I ever saw, I, I did not see that coming. Yeah. I was not. Ex- I was expecting 20 minutes of slowly getting into John McClane's day uh, instead of that kicker. Uh, and so it really... I thought set the whole thing in motion nicely. That was another, speaking of another movie that uh, nearly had to move its release date or uh, whatever because of something real that happened in the world. That was Oklahoma City bombings. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, They were uh, thinking about uh, moving that back. Because it's a federal building in this movie Mm -hmm. that they bomb. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Die Hard with a Vengeance, first movie ever built as a projectionist. Oh, wow. oh I've got another movie that you have uh, history with. Yeah. Um, so one of the more fun surprise beginnings is From Dust Till Dawn. Mm. And it opens up, so this is a collaboration, essentially. Robert Rodriguez directed it, uh, but Quentin Tarantino wrote most of it, especially that, that front section. And it's basically like a heist movie at the beginning before it gets into the vampires and all that stuff but it opens up on a scene the guy just recently died and i want to pull him up um michael parks oh yeah michael parks michael parks just recently died and he's in this as the one of the texas lawmen Mm -hmm. and you see him pull up it's this nice dry desert and he's pulling up to a liquor store and he's bullshitting with this liquor store uh clerk and he's just like i haven't been feeling anything any of the heat all day been in the air conditioning (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, you know, it, it, Michael Parks goes and grabs, he's like, give me a bottle of that hooch. I'm going to get tanked tonight. <laughs> and like, it's just this funny, witty Tarantino-esque dialogue. 
and he goes to drain the lizard, as he says, uh, into the bathroom. And you see out of the corner of the screen, Tarantino and George Clooney with the guns up to these girls' things. He's like, are you fucking with me? Do you want this girl to die? Do you want to die? And it just completely goes from there because as soon as uh, the cop comes out, he goes back into his thing. Boom! Yeah. Shot in the back of the head. Yeah. And then, you know, they start setting the place on fire. Benny's house of blood is fucking crazy. <laughs> anyway, uh, they, it's great. It, does, does the Michael Parks character die? Is that what you just said? Yeah, he gets uh, killed okay. by uh, Tarantino. I, I was about to say it was, it's, uh, I, I thought for whatever reason he was the same character that they, that he wove into Kill Bill and, um, death proof yeah because he's in that the church scene right he comes in and everything. yeah yeah, but yeah it must have been before it's usually because with his killed. son i think his mm. son's played by his actual son in real life too i'm not mm. sure i want to stop mm-hmm. i owe chris an apology uh-huh i watched death proof again the other day mm. oh enjoyed it a lot more Ooh. right the first time i saw it i wasn't digging it mm. and i think it was just that taste of planet terror in my mouth yeah yeah <laughs> um but it came on all by itself right at the beginning and I hadn't seen it probably since the theater. And I remembered our conversation on this very podcast. So I watched it. I found it very enjoyable. Yeah. Nice. It's a, that's a, a movie that I've, I've now seen that probably 10 times. Really? It's, yeah. It's, it, well, and, and during this one period of time, it used to come on like stars or whatever all the time. And yeah, I, you get to see that without Planet Terror, which I'm not a, I don't hate Planet Terror. It's just that it's it's yeah it's apples and oranges. It very much is. <laughs> so you get you get through Planet Terror and then you watch Death Proof afterwards. It's kind of they're so they're so different, and I think it does kind of leave a little residual while you're sitting there watching Death Proof because you're like you were in this sci-fi world. You just watch these fake trailers, yeah. and then but then yeah, when you get to watch it on its own, especially the very beginning of it. Now the second half of it has its merits it doesn't make the movie bad or anything it's just that the first half is so much stronger than the second half in death brew i could mm-hmm. not believe they don't ever cut back to that girl they leave on the farm where they stole that car oh from i that know <laughs> like, i kept waiting for them to cut back to her situation to show if she'd been killed or if she'd killed him nope rule yeah. credits you never go back to that girl again yeah. and that's a very tarantino-esque kind of thing to just he cares about what he cares about mm-hmm. all the threads don't need to but what i was struck by was the dialogue is really engaging in mm-hmm. that movie yep um and i just don't remember that the first time i saw it so i wanted to bring that up yes nice. um all right so this one is a, a pretty common one i guess but I think a lot of people forget that the beginning of Psycho was shocking. Yeah, oh. uh, yeah. because the because Janet Lee was a big star back in in that time, mm-hmm. nineteen sixty, um, and to kill your main character essentially in the first 20 to 30 minutes of the movie is that how early it was oh, yeah, early. yeah, yeah. it's pretty early uh because uh she she leaves uh she leaves arizona or whatever and is on the on the interstate and then she gets to the thing gets her gets her room mm-hmm. of course there's a long conversation between her and anthony perkins uh for a while and you sort sort of get the creepiness factor and mm-hmm. everything and then right after that conversation he goes takes the shower and then you know he he kills her there, and then the rest of it is he's the main character yep. essentially, and you know, um, uh, but yeah, uh, just imagine, and this is you know this is where that whole no one will be seated during this whatever came from because Alfred Hitchcock uh, believed that if you came in late to this movie expecting to see Janet Lee and you didn't see her, then you were going to get pissed off and want your money back. Mm-hmm. So 
no one was going to be seated during uh, after the show started, essentially. So you couldn't come in late. Is that where that came from? Yep. No kidding. There was a sign outside that says, no one shall be seated after the beginning of the film. Interesting. I don't know if um, I knew that. Uh, Hitchcock was a weird dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and and watch the uh, trailer for Psycho. He's, I mean, the trailer for Psycho is great because he's just, it's just him walking around, and he's like, something awful happened here. (laughs) I don't want to get into it, you know, and everything. Um, I love the stories around Psycho too. Like, uh, like George Stefano wrote the screenplay. He. He he's saying I always wanted to have a toilet in a in a movie yeah. for whatever reason that was important to him because you couldn't show toilets in movies and like the ratings board uh, was like you know you can't show the toilet and everything so they had to make it part of the plot where she rips up her little um, like money figures mm. IOU thing into the toilet and flushes it down huh. so they made it a part of the plot but and now we have train spotting. Yes. Yes. And now, now <laughs> definitely yeah. show toilets today. That's right. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think even now, if you were to say, you know, Brad Pitt, and then you were to watch, you know, a movie with him, and in twenty minutes he's not in the picture yeah. anymore, it would be shocking. And that's kind of like how it was back then. Psycho is such a perfect movie. I like it, it really I is. Mean, you start. It's. I mean, I don't want to draw parallels between Psycho and From Dust Till Dawn, but it is two very separate movies. Yeah, it is. It's a money heist, and then he show her, she's going to get the car and everything. She's got the, it's this whole s- separate story. Yeah, and then she just happens to stop at this hotel, mm-hmm. much like Clooney and Tarantino yeah. stop at the Titty Twister. Hey. You know what? And then they get attacked by vampires. It, it is an apt comparison. Yeah, Garrett. much it, it, like it, the burning upon urination. I would experience later. <laughs> <laughs> That's Kramer, by the way. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. Gonorrhea. <laughs> <laughs> you took my gonorrhea. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, next question. Well, let's stick with surprises. What movie surprised you the most when you learned who played the character? For this listener, it was Gary Oldman and O.W. Grant in Interstate 60. I have no fucking clue what he was talking about. Have you ever um, heard of them? Nope. Okay. But Gary Oldman would be a good answer for about a dozen different movies. That's true. Like you could watch True Romance and not know that's Gary Oldman. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right? true. You could watch Hannibal and not know that's Gary Oldman. No. Or- that was Gary Oldman? No. <laughs> Mason Verger. Yeah. Oh, God, the makeup. Yeah. Um, well, I'm answering. I'm, I'm going to go uh, friend of the show, Alan Tudyk. <laughs> Tudyk. <laughs> uh, this happened to me in two movies. Wreck-It Ralph. Um, what was he in Wreck-It Ralph? He's King Candy. Oh, yeah. But he's doing sort of a parody of that old comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's almost forgivable that I didn't recognize it was him. But when I found out, I was shocked. At the, and then Moana, because he's the voice of the chicken, and the chicken never hey, speaks. Hey. The chicken just makes chicken noises and pecks at the boat. That's literally all it does. They, they didn't have to hire a person to voice this character yeah. but they hired alan tudyk and i'm watching the credits roll going holy crap it's almost like an inside joke yeah right for people who love him because mm-hmm. why would you even it's like didn't george clooney do some kind of voice on a south park thing once yeah. it was like a dog barking he was yeah. in the movie that's all he no. he was also in the movie but yeah he was the dog barking. yeah he was in the movie but then later on like when they did team america he had gotten pissed off at him by that point yeah. or, or like had gotten over it or whatever so when they actually used clooney and team america uh-huh. they didn't they didn't do it they didn't, use Clo- <laughs> they didn't use Clooney in that but I was thinking in South Park uh, they used Mike Judge to play uh, um, to play Kenny 
uh, oh, at yeah. the very end. He's oh, like, wow. Bye, you guys. It's like Judge. <laughs> <laughs> well, they also did in The Force Awakens. They had Bill Hader do the effects for BB-8. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, they did? <laughs> yeah. Special. There's like there's like several guys, but uh, Bill Hader was like one of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, and Alan Tudyk, there's a perfect loop because he's the voice of K2SO in Rogue yeah, One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So anyway, love that. me some Tudyk. <laughs> I did not murder him. Oh, that's another movie. Um, I, uh, I'm i going to go with, uh, well, it's funny because we mentioned Val Kilmer uh, playing Elvis in Top Secret. He actually does play Elvis, even though he can't be credited as Elvis in True Romance. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, like, there's a, a, several scenes where Christian Slater is going to the bathroom or something, and you just see, like, this mysterious figure come up behind him, and it's usually just a leg or, a, <laughs> you know, an arm. Or and a shot of a jacket or something. Yeah, like yeah. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, and it's just him giving advice to Christian Slater yeah. or whatever. It's like, uh, and so then later you're like, you look at the credits and it's fucking Val Kilmer or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a good um, one. But, uh, but I, you know, I had two, I think, uh, wrote down. Oh, yeah. Uh, Idris Elba in Star Trek uh, Beyond. Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. I didn't know that was him. I knew it was somebody, um, but I didn't know it was him for the longest time. I didn't look at any, you know, credits or anything like that i didn't know beforehand watching it and then when by the time it gets to the footage of them running around and and everything and you see him without his makeup on it's like oh shit <laughs> yeah, that's a good one too yep so I, I have one that i didn't see until much later i think pcu came out in 1993 94 94 and so by the time i had seen it it was probably around like I just missed it. Like it was around 2001, 2002. Oh, John Favreau. And John Favreau is the stoner in PCU. Oh yeah, had me floored because oh yeah. Uh, I, the first time I saw it, I didn't recognize him at all. And then the second time I saw it, I was like, "Holy shit, man!" Like he he's nothing like himself. I mean, uh-uh. he's 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 all rusted out, and he's just uh, you know he's hanging out with George Clinton and everything. And you're gonna it's wear just... the shirt of the band you're going to see <laughs> to the concert. Yeah. Don't be that guy. <laughs> By the way, that could go under one of our comedies to go. I mean, it's not a great movie, but there are some very good moments. In yeah, PC. very good. There lives. are. I just watched it uh, a couple of nights ago, actually, with my wife for the first time. And she was like, what the hell is this? There are some themes that are still relevant today yes. as as parodied as they are but there's there's a lot of stuff that's still well, and, like and and they originally called this movie politically correct university yeah. and because they couldn't call it that because of how <laughs> fucked up the 90s were it ended up being port chester or whatever i think that's what they called it right the, oh the the actual university yeah was port chester yeah, right? i think so yeah like the the movie itself they were going to call it politically correct university uh-huh. But um, but that movie is directed by Hart Bachner, who you may know as Ellis in Die Hard. Wow. I did not know wow. that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I thought what I was about to say was going to be a neat piece of trivia, but that <laughs> kicks my ass. Do <laughs> you remember that Seinfeld where George pushes everybody out of the way to get away from the fire at the kid's birthday party? Uh-huh. Oh. That clown is John Favreau. That's right. Are you fucking kidding? What That's is up right. with John Favreau, man? Now, he shows up. In a lot of stuff like that, where he's just like a one-off guest role in an episode of Seinfeld or what have. I think he's in an episode of Frasier or something else. He definitely has a whole run on Friends. Yeah. Um, but I remember the other day, no, it was probably a few weeks ago, that episode came on and I had never paid any attention to the clown uh-huh. um, because I was always watching for George. And I was like, that's John Favreau. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> it's the craziest. I watched Chef the other night, too. 
and fucking John Fa- <laughs> Look, I know. All right, I know that chefs get get some some gals. All mm-hmm. right, I, I, just by sensory input, I guess. But he's having sex with Sofia Vergara and Scarlett Johansson in this movie. Mm. That's well, fucked up. It's it's great to be the director. And this is not 1994, John Favreau. This is 2013, <laughs> yeah, like 13 or 14 somewhere in there. I have a feeling if you're that good of a chef, it's kind of like being a rock star. But I guess so. Probably easier to get girls or guys to swing that way. That's this thing. What event in a movie would you actually like to be at in real life? Um, this person says his would be the concert with Snoop Dogg in old school. Now, that would That's be a good answer. answer. That was the Mitchapalooza. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, even though it's completely ludicrous and would never happen, uh, I want to be at the baseball game at the end of the natural. Nice. The Knights versus the Pirates. Roy Hobbs comes back uh, off of the out the uh, out of the hospital after someone gave him some cheese or some shit, <laughs> fucked up his bullet wound, whatever the fuck that did, and he's coming back to play in a playoff game against the Pirates, the hated Pirates. Mm-hmm. Like at the very beginning, Wilford Brimley says, "Don't you know how much I hate losing to the Pirates?" <laughs> and he and then guess what? The team they're playing at the end, they're playing the Pirates. Um, but to be there and uh, you know you're the the guy who's become a famous baseball star in this short amount of time he's become the idol to many or whatever he strikes out a couple of times during mm-hmm. this you don't you don't think he's got it he's you know his, he's just it's too much for him to come back on this but to be there when he hits the ball into the lights yeah and it causes oh, yeah. a fireworks show <laughs> oh, <yeah>. and everything <laughs> Uh, completely ludicrous, but man, do I want to be there when it happens. <laughs> Can you imagine Chris just eyes transfixed on the scoreboard? <laughs> he knows where it's going. That's right. <laughs> we all know where it's going, guys. <laughs> That's going to hit the lights. Oh, oh. yeah. He hits, he's going to hit it so far, it's going to hit one light, and it's going to cause a fireworks display. That's right, man. Might as well throw in a But I've always been a, I've been a, I've always wanted to be at dramatic sporting events. And it's why, you know, why we went to that uh, game seven uh, Kings Blackhawks game. Yeah. Um, I don't like the Blackhawks by any stretch being a Predators fan and everything, but I wanted to see a home crowd going crazy during a game seven. And we saw that for a long time. And then the Kings won it. Yes. (laughs) And then you could hear nothing. It was dead. It was as dead as I've ever heard a fucking building. (laughs) Well, speaking of dramatic sports moments, Mm -hmm. okay. Imagine in 1984, isn't it 1984? And you are in Russia to see Rocky versus Ivan Drago. That was 85. 85. And then, like, you could be, like, an expatriate. Just You don't have to be sporting your red, white, and blue or anything like that. But just sitting as an American in the audience and hearing the Russian national anthem, and you see all this vitriol and this hate, and they're yelling and they're they're throwing stuff, and you got the premieres sitting up there and all of this thing. And then, as Rocky says, the crowd starts changing. Like, after he, like, you know, is, is out there punch after punch, and Drago's getting tired, then he cuts him. And mm-hmm. I bet, man, if you're an American sitting in that crowd, and you see Ivan Drago being cut by Rocky, fucking sperm would come out of me, man. That would be amazing. I would have chill bombs. I would be like one big chill bomb yes, sperming myself. That's right. Uh, it would be great. And then you get to stick around for the if I can change, the news can change, everybody can change that speech. Yeah, which 
fucking yes. Absolutely. Uh, of course, the changing is complete bullshit. Yeah. Has it makes no fucking sense. If you're a if you're a fan of Ivan Drago and you want to see like him beat an American's ass and everything, his uh his uh, versatility during that fight is not going to turn you around to Rocky Balboa. Okay. Here's the counterpoint to that because I don't disagree, mm-hmm. but. Just, I think by nature, people root for underdogs, even if it's, you know, if, if, if it's just such a, like a huge disparity between the, the opposing forces. Um, yes, it's nationalist pride. Yes, you've got all this in and everything. Yes, he's not doing anything to really like nuance to, to turn the tide. But the fact that he's standing up to this and actually like just kind of pulling off the underdog thing. I think there's a little bit in there. Yeah, I, I okay. So if a uh, Russian uh, hockey team comes to the United States and they somehow suck at hockey, and they're and they're playing the U.S. hockey team, or and and suddenly they have this scrappy look about them and they're winning three to nothing, would you would you if be? I I think I think because of the disparity in ability or perceived ability, this is a guy that killed Apollo Creed. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, well, I you also have to it's remember just the devil's advocate. Yeah. Nobody should ever talk about this movie this much, this deep. <laughs> but you also have to remember the Russian people might be more easily swayed to a plucky hero because they've been told to like yes, Ivan Drago. It's not. It's the, not the a USSR was not a, a free country where you were welcome to think whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And so there may have been some amount of in your face oppressive nazi government yeah exactly this is the proletariat this is not like you know the uh the the top echelon of society you know oh, they were communists not that, nazis by the way that movie really could have used a montage <laughs> <laughs> explaining well, really the russian, really could really could <laughs> explaining the russian uh you know like uh uh, way of life and why they may <laughs> it would, not it would only been the ninth montage. it would have only been the ninth uh i mean yeah i mean uh rocky rocky four is uh, what 75 percent montage it's close it? yeah. it's close it's, uh, yeah it's crazy yeah <laughs> stallone directed quote unquote that movie yeah what and it was shows it, yep was it ghost directed uh, I mean, no, I mean... Oh, no, he you, directed how, the how montages? Do you, do you, I mean, how do you direct a movie that's full of montages? <laughs> and it's like, it's like, oh, I'll just I'll just take all this footage from Rocky Three. Hey, remember and, that time that we were running down the beach? Yeah. yeah remember <laughs> that time when I was shifting gears? Hey, remember, remember when we were running down the beach again? <laughs> uh, all right, so I struggled with this question mightily. Uh-huh. I don't know why. The first thing I thought of was the gun shootout after the bank heist in Heat. Mm. And while I might die, I do think it would be cool to see something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, uh, but that's not what I settled on. I thought then maybe the hockey game from Miracle, mm-hmm. which would be a cheat way to let me see the real hockey game that I missed because I was too young. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm just gonna give up and answer. <laughs> I I wouldn't mind seeing that play um, about the stools in the city of Blaine um, in uh, that movie. I'm forgetting. You're bastard people, and I hate your ass face. Oh, um, <laughs> waiting for Guffman. Yeah. Whoa, waiting for Guffman. I wouldn't mind seeing that play as long as all the stars of the movie are playing the, the characters. <laughs> then, because then I'd get to see all those funny people. And honestly, this is just—I'm giving up. I couldn't come up with a good answer for this question. I thought about Bible stories I might want to witness. I just—I got nothing. So, uh, there you go. I think that's a good one. All right, there you go.
I wouldn't actually play. like to see that play. That would be two hours of torture. <laughs> but but yeah, being actually being able to like I guess be around the documentary crew yes. going around yeah. these to these people. How then... high ridge I could not tell. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, that's going to do it for this week. Please keep going to SoundCloud and giving us your thoughts. Yeah, well, what we're going to do is now that it's been out for a week, we're going to post the completed bracket um, with our winner, Children of Men, to give everyone a week to to listen to it. Um, we will also be posting our CinemaSins or our SinCast Movie Club recommendations. Uh, so check that out. We'll send a link to that. And uh We'll put it by genre. This week was comedy. Next week will be something else. And uh, hope you guys like it. Uh, these are these are really strong recommends, both within our group and then uh, for for you people too. Also, I wanted to say I forgot about this. Uh, we are going to be selling a special shirt for a while. We're gonna originally it was just going to be the month of May, but we got it together so late it's halfway through May already. By the time this podcast hits, the shirt will be up. We will have put a video up mm-hmm. talking about it. I will have tweeted it. Uh, all the proceeds from the sale of this shirt are going to go to MHA. It's a Mental Health America. It's a mental health awareness uh, nonprofit that we're partnering with. Mental health awareness is important to us. Mm-hmm. It's important to millions of Americans. And uh, so we thought this would be a fun way for you guys to get something back, but give back while doing that. So yeah. keep an eye out on our District Line store or on the Twitter, or hopefully we'll even put a link maybe in the description of this podcast. Yep. It's Great. a cool-ass shirt. It yeah, is. we all like it. We call it the Reese's Cup. That's mm-hmm. right. right. That's right. All right, that's going to do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. This episode is brought to you by Nature Box. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an extraterrestrial from the planet Vulcan. (laughs) (laughs) I almost sounded like Scooby Doo for some You sounded so weird. So I I I need to say that then. Right, that's fine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so we have correct. integrity and shit. You gotta shine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, all right. So we're ready. I don't know if that's what Scatman Scatman Crothers says. What does he say? Like you got you got the shine. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Or, or you always be shining. What does he say? Who are you asking about? Uh, Scatman He's Crothers, Dick, Dick O'Halloran, in uh, The Shining. Oh. He's, that boy's got the shine. Yeah, I just keep hearing those who willing. shine or something like that. He's got a, the shin. Yeah. You ever get keyboard drunk? Where like you just start making typos that uh, that you wouldn't normally make? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. It happens a lot when I get regular drunk. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Actually, I'm kind of reminding myself of Cinderella when I'm watching. I'm having a lot of fun mm-hmm. watching it and writing sins for it. Cinderella. Remember when we did the Cinderella the old animated oh, one? Oh man, that was oh that, that was some of the most fun yeah. I that ever had. That was tremendously f- <laughs> tremendous fun because it was it's when you take a movie that classic <laughs> and animated and you know and it's so innocent it's in a different time yeah 
And then when you're you're adding your seventy years, you know, <laughs> older bullshit to it and everything, it just it's so in it's so incongruent. And you realize, like, because I, I hadn't seen Cinderella the animated in probably thirty years, but you you realize exactly how much screen time is devoted to the goddamn mice and yep. the cat and all this bullshit that doesn't even matter. It's like what they back in the day they were stretching, literally stretching. What can we do to fill time? Oh, let's go back to the mice. Let's go back to the cat. Yeah, and uh, and anyway. and stretching time and a movie that is 70 minutes long yeah exactly exactly is that how long it is yeah yeah Jeez. just to get to that long they had to put 20 minutes of mice cinderella cinderella i cannot believe how many people were defending those boobs <laughs> girls and bachelor parties do that yeah 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 you don't think they do i think if they get absolutely wasted maybe there's i think one that's girl. something have you ever been to a, like a, adjacent to a bachelorette party yes but you know not what? in vegas you know what yeah. though it's not that the fact that they do that at bachelor parties. It's that they did it in the movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I agree. There's they a had difference. an R rating. They wanted to see what they could do. Yeah. They're like, where, where are we going to put our boobs? Yeah. We don't a, want to put them on the There's a different, there's such a difference <laughs> in between what actually happens and why they put it in a movie. And the reason there was exactly what you guys just said. You know, it's uh, it's R rated. We're going to put some boobs in here. Well, yeah. So one of the the personalities is a, a, a voyeur and like a, a kid that like gets in trouble for it and that kind of thing. And so like he has these girls undress periodically. He's saying he's under the guise of like, oh, that shirt's dirty. Give it to me. That kind of thing. And yeah, okay, I understand that. But it's also just a fucking excuse to get these girls in their underwear mm -hmm. for the movie. Mm -hmm. And like Anya Taylor Joy, who is gorgeous. Yep. Like in one of the scenes I wrote was like he uh, he Padme's her shirt at the end. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, like, yeah. he Padme's her shirt. <laughs> oh Jesus. It's funny that the Bloomhouse stuff is almost all R rated. Mm -hmm. So that shows you kind of how much power M Night Shyamalan has because he probably didn't want to make anything R rated or whatever or anything too extreme mm -hmm. as far as that is concerned and everything. You know the like Jason Blum and all those guys were probably like, let's have some some chicks do some nudity, man. Yeah, because he's a producer. He and uh, yeah. Shyamalan are the producers, and mm -hmm. I mean. I don't think it's right on the cusp. If it had been an R-rated movie, I, I think it probably would have been about the same quality, but maybe more fun to watch. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't like that movie very much. Basically, yeah, but basically he hit the jackpot because it was the three hottest girls he could possibly find yep. all in one group. Yeah. The smart one, the hot one, and then the, the damaged one. Mm-hmm. Who apparently knows how to get out of the situation because she used to go deer hunting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Fuck that movie. I got angry all over again when I was going through. I, I was telling Chris I pulled up like PubMed articles on dissociative identity. Disorder. Oh god, yeah, that's Fuck probably triggering you. Oh, it the, is. the point of that movie is the ending, not the movie. Exactly. And but to get there, there's a certain point where they rely on actual logic, and then pff, they're off and running. Yeah. The it's funny like, thing is, she remembers every detail about that, yeah. except, except for the his guy's name. name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck that movie. Let's let's cast a pod. <laughs> oh yeah, forget about that. No, well, that <laughs> isn't that what we've been doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, we've been filling the outtakes for sure. Oh, oh, I'm glad I was. There's going to be one day where we just need to come in here and just talk about movies for two hours, no topic. That's <laughs> true. And then I and bet that'll it, be I, the podcast. I bet we'd be uh, pretty good at it. I think so. <laughs> Probably so. <laughs> it's like 80% of our dialogue anyway. Yeah, exactly. The other 20% is sports. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. The fucking ducks.